one. Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 100, the NASCAR, NASCAR, NASCAR edition of the Grip Strip Podcast in an ode to a bit from the Howard Stern Show and Ronnie the Limo Driver. Um, my name is Philip Matthew, the host. My co-host is Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. Episode 100. We've hit the century mark in this show and, you know, it started out 2020 during COVID. Both had nothing really to do during the um, the nighttime, but now we've got this thing going on and glad to be on it with you. 100 episodes, uh, a great milestone, and there'll be many more to come in the following years, hopefully. And of course, Daytona 500, you know, what a great uh, way to begin episode 100, beginning the NASCAR year, the Super Bowl of stock car racing, as they say. And of course, this one is a pretty big one with the debut of the next gen car and uh, this new uh, package that we have uh, going into this season. NASCAR is basically taking the uh, page and throwing it out or, you know, the old formula. And now this car is basically more common with the sports car than, you know, the traditional formula for a stock car. And I'm very excited to watch and see all of it happen and unfold in front of us. And with that, uh, all the great detail you provided just there, Josh. And I mean, I'm excited too. I mean, it's a huge, I've been looking forward to this for weeks, knowing that this was going to be, Episode 100 was Speed Weeks, Daytona. I mean, you get fired up for it no matter what we both do. Um, you know, NASCAR or whatever, but it's Daytona and it's a 500. And you get the initial race for four different series uh, this weekend. And the fact that this started from fill in the blank and us talking about sim racing to the GSP coming along um, is huge that we're at this point and I, we're only going to keep going with this and it's exciting. And one person who's been a great contributor and we're hoping we'll be able to have more contributions from a very knowledgeable person. He's our NASCAR insider. I'm going to go and say that right now. He's our NASCAR insider. He's going to be our Bob Pachris uh, for the GSP. Uh, his name is Joe Passero. He's a writer for Beyond the Flag and fan-sided, uh, multiple-time guest here on the GSP, a NASCAR expert. And um, we're glad that you are here uh, wearing the Dale Jr. Hellman's uh, shirt uh after and I and we mentioned and Josh was saying he's missing some shirts. I mean that the point is we're all NASCAR fans. If we're really fulfilling the whole Jeff Foxworthy thing, we need to have our favorite driver merch. I mean I know drivers have changed over time. Uh, me, I got a, a new shipment of Chase Briscoe merchandise today uh, because Mahindra Tractors is his new sponsor. They're an Indian company. I'm a brown guy, and Chase Briscoe's my favorite driver. So it fulfills multiple things um, on my end. Um, we're watching. We're actually going to do a little bit of live casting of the uh, qualifying right now for the Daytona 500 as we speak. Uh, oh, there's Daniel Suarez, and Nacho Libre gets into fourth uh, in the track house 99. Ross Chastain of 5005 is on the pole. It'll be one of the slowest poles. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Hendrick cars will get under the 52nd mark. I mean, that's that's what they do. Um, Jeffy will come out in his oversized vest because his belly is getting big, just like uh, fat felons. Um, and now he doesn't have to be in the booth and be on a soapbox to stand next to Clint Boyer. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is the Hendrick cars haven't run yet. Uh, uh, Reddick ran, but uh, Bald Spot didn't run. There's uh, a few Fords that haven't run yet. Big ones, uh, you know, I mean, Blaney. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, there, there are people that can run. But right now, Ross Chastain, uh, the Florida uh, watermelon uh, farming family driving for Trackhouse now, not for Ganassi, uh, driving the one car, is on the pole. Uh, Noah Gagson uh, has made the race, unfortunately. Um, if you're listening to the show, I more than likely you agree. Um, but if you don't, I really don't care. He's a douche. Um, but um, I went off on a tangent there. Uh, I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, it is qualifying and it is live. Um, but uh, thanks for coming on the GSP again. I uh, hope we can do this more often. Your knowledge and your fandom, uh, the energy we have, the three of us together is very good because we were talking for like 10, 15 minutes before we even started this and uh we had great content going so the executive producer aka me um failed in in not hitting record right when i got back here because we had some good stuff there but thanks for coming on on the gsp again for episode 100 so that's a big big milestone for us yeah thank you i actually didn't realize this was episode 100 until uh i hopped on the call that's amazing congratulations to you guys um, I still listen to you guys, even when I'm not on the show. I find this uh, very fun to come on. It, it's fun for me to get to share my expertise. And, uh, and, and Josh, thank you for pointing out the, the Hellman's shirt pre-show, uh, new addition to my NASCAR shirt collection. I mean, you got to be a fan to enjoy this, to, to work in the industry at any level. Uh, so I'm excited. Daytona is always exciting. And uh, as you and Josh had pointed out, next gen car, this is really the first major test, I think, for it. We had the clash was kind of a fun event, you know, had its uh, its kinks in the event. But really, this is to me the first true test of where we're headed in 2022 with this next gen car. So thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And I mean, I guess we start right there. Uh, next gen car. We had one example. Uh, we had the clash, albeit on a quarter mile track in a football stadium. But this is Daytona. You know, it's the biggest race of the year. It's the Super Bowl of stock car racing. And we're going to talk about the Super Bowl of football. Um, that took place last week, um, and I turned off the TV after that game ended for many reasons. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Formula One. We're going to get into a few other things here, but NASCAR is going to be uh, – Extreme E actually is going to be uh, uh, starting their season. Um, and then, of course, Josh's Sim segment, talking about the Daytona 500 for iRacing. But we got to talk about this car. I mean, we don't really know. We have testing. They did a little group practice testing, whatever. This is a Daytona 500. And what are we going to see here? I mean, Joe, we we had a conversation and before, you know, just to make sure you could come on. And then I was, we were talking in regards to what this week will be. Um, the practices were kind of tame. Um, there are going to be more practices after the duels uh, tomorrow night. As you know, as we're doing this live, oh, look at that. Um, but, uh, you know, 
you guys are on a delay. So the fact is I'm seeing this on the cable feed and then the internet feed is on like the seven second or 10 second delay. So it's interesting. So like I saw Harrison Burton go on the pole and then that didn't last very long. And then I, I'm every time I see something I'm going and putting out a clue. So then they're already ready to know. It's like, we're, we're doing like Morse code or some bullshit, but fact of matter is this car is a game changer. Um, Josh talked about like the GT3 aspects of this car, V8 supercars aspects of this car. This, I mean, I don't know, you know, logistic, like there are certain people that don't know what they're talking about and don't know what they're doing, who had a lot to do with this. And then there are people that know what they're doing and know what's going on, that know what to do with this car. We really won't know what this is about until Vegas. But this is the biggest race of the year. You want to win the Daytona 500. As a Tony Stewart fan, he never won this race or the Indy 500. There are plenty of great drivers that have never won the Daytona 500. The defending champion of this race is Michael McDowell. Yes, um, the defending champion of this race, Michael McDowell. I don't remember what episode it was, but I'm pretty sure I went off on a tangent and lost my mind um, because he used up uh brad keselowski and and um joey logano in the process to win um because brad was setting up a pass to go and pass logano i mean logano would erect him so he would have turned himself across his nose the way that uh carl edwards did in 2009 um but instead um you know michael mcdowell and his infinite wisdom and speaking of that he's on the tv right now so that's that that's some timing um i'm manifesting here um I'll tell you that Love's paint scheme actually looks good with the new uh, number uh, situation there. They did a good job on that. Can't help the driver, but the the paint scheme's good. Um, fact of the matter is, though, it's wide open, I think, in a lot of ways. And uh, Josh, I'll go to you first. With this car and with the opportunities that exist um, for this weekend, we'll, we'll focus on this weekend, but then we have kind of a wide view, too. Um, this could be... This race could be uh, one of the more interesting 500s, could be one of the more boring 500s, kind of like the year 2000, where it was basically a single file um, fest. And I think they get to like 20, to me, it'll be 20 to go, and then they'll yard sale a portion of the field. And then California is going to look like a build, it'll look like a chop shop at, in the infield at California Speedway, because they're all going to be trying to repair their cars, but um I mean, I, I I think this is, it's exciting. I, the one thing I feel this excitement and this energy, uh, towards what this car can be and what this car can bring to the table in regards to helping kind of bring the field together again, um, before certain teams do what they're going to do and get ahead, which is which is going to happen. Um, what are your thoughts on that in regards to what we're going to see this weekend, but in general, as we move towards most of these races, which will be on the cookie cutters and road races too, um, where I think this car will probably be very, very good compared to where they were with the previous cars. Well, I, I think for this weekend in particular for Daytona, uh, what I'm curious to see is how well does the car pack race compared to uh, the previous generation uh, you know, with the Gen 6, there's some variants, uh, some races, they had good pack racing, and then there were other races where they were very single file 
uh, throughout and, you know, go back to 2013, the uh, Daytona 500, uh, the first one under the Gen 6 car, uh, that wasn't a very uh, exciting 500 until like the last 20 laps when they finally figured out how to race side by side. Uh, they did have crashing in that one. And of course, uh, that race had a lot of crashing in and leading up to it. There was a lot of crashing and contrast it to 2022 where uh, we don't know how it's going to pack race. They could be single file. Maybe somebody might be brave enough to at least go double wide. Uh, we don't know that yet. I mean, we've seen testing, um, and they've been able to go double wide and there's have some passes, but that's just testing. You never know what it's going to look like in a, a actual race situation until they're actually racing. And then, you know, you add in the fact that there's going to be a, uh, part shortage. You know, some teams didn't even bring in backup cars. Um, there's still a lot of unknowns. And I mean, I know that, you know, some of the teams like they can not bring in a backup car, but they can still survive uh, w without that. Cause of course these, these cars have interchangeable parts. A lot of the body panels should be easy to change off. Um, a lot of the internal parts, uh, you should be able to change pretty quickly, but it's still something we're not used to. Um, so there's still a lot of unknowns that um, people have to, or teams have to experience and go through, uh, with this weekend. So I think, you know, the racing aspect of it, you know, I'm very curious, uh, how well are these cars going to suck up in the draft when they're behind each other, you know, racing for position, uh, can you get a good run? You know, Dale Jr. always talks about on when, when he's broadcasting, you know, take the runs can you can, that you can get. And I, I look at, you know, how these cars race, um, we haven't seen that yet. So are you going to be able to you know take those runs? Or is it going to be really hard to uh, generate um, a run? Is, is there going to be you know that gap between the tail and the nose uh, in a pack uh, of cars, you know, things like that? Does this car side drift as well as the last car? The last car, um, you know, you, if you got two cars close together side by side, you could see a lot of the side draft uh, that was very very effective. But this car, you know, we don't really know that yet. And there was some questions when they tested in November and they said, um, there was some difficulty with that. Uh, but it's all, all unknowns. And then I think for the speedway races or the intermediate tracks, the short tracks, the road courses, I think intermediates, um, it's going to be hard to drive, but I still think there's going to be a little bit of pack racing. I mean, Atlanta turned into a super speedway because they went and reconfigured it. Um, you know, I think we might see pack racing there. Maybe we see pack racing at places like Michigan, some of the, you know, the newer repave tracks like Pocono, Kansas, you know, the ones that, I mean, it's been a decade now, but that's how it, how it is now. And then I think the short tracks and the, the road courses probably going to be where you see, you know, like you said, this car is going to do really well. I noticed in the clash, I think, uh, it seems like these cars get really good bite off the corner, you know, mid center and then corner exit. It seems like they turn really well, uh, in that portion of, uh, the racetrack. So I think short track racing is going to be really good. And I think, uh, road course racing as well, going to be, um, really good. And, and you know, you're going to see a lot of, uh, that effect come out. Um, cause this car of course is very based on uh, sports car design. And I mean, to be fair, it's actually more stock. I think in my opinion, in a way the design is than the previous generation. I mean, cause no car out here. I mean, you don't see a, a Camaro or a Mustang or a Camry that still has a solid rear axle. I mean, they've all moved on to independent rear suspension uh, and all things like that. So um, they're actually stock, but of course we've thrown out the old stock car formula. Now we're on this new um, actual stock based on sports car design uh, formula. So I think there's still you know a lot of things that we've yet to see that we're only going to find out uh, tomorrow during the duels. Probably going to be a lot of single file to survive that one. 
and uh, you know throughout the Daytona 500, and then as we go on throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and as um, the defending Cup Series champion um, puts his car on the front row, Alex Bowman's streak of front row uh, starts will actually end, which is something uh, for now. I, I forgot about that, actually, that there is a second round. Um, Daniel Hemrick just got knocked out of the top 10, which is a bummer. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Hemrick guy. Elbows up. Young gun. He's a young gun. Elbows up. Meh, Hemrick. Um, I still want a camera. I still want a camera in his car to prove that um, Ryan Blaney's impression of his buddy is true. Um, uh, they've never had an in-car. And I, but the good thing is that college racing. So it will happen because they always have cameras in the college racing cars. Um, yeah, it kind of it looks like the yeah, none of the cars that went in the first part of qualifying will be in this top 10 shootout. But in the end, it's kind of not that shocking. Uh, Gumby Gumby's car is pretty slow. Oh, okay, whatever. Um, with that, yeah, I mean, Joe, I'll pass it to you. You know, as we were talking about Hendrick and we were talking about in regards to qualifying. But, I mean, you had, I mean, we had our conversation offline in regards to what we're going to see. Uh, I mean, they're going to be very tame, I think. A lot of the drivers are going to be very cautious up until the race itself, let alone, I think, for three quarters of this race on Sunday. We may not, I mean, it is a 500. There's a lot of stupidity and stupid people are going to be there and they're going to go and do a lot of stuff. And then there are drivers that are not exactly the brightest bulbs in the box, uh, but the part shortages, the aspects of trying to get to, you know, California, you know, get to Atlanta, Vegas, Atlanta, all that has to be on the minds of these teams. There's a bunch of these teams only have one car. Um, it's it's like old school. I got one car. I got to figure out a way to make this thing get to Sunday um, because if they don't, they're screwed. I mean, I, I look at some of the guys and that qualified tonight. Um, what is it to them to go and actually, if you're on the front row for the Daytona 500, why aren't you going to go start and park? Uh, tomorrow if you're if you're a chart if you're an open car i mean i figure uh like like gagson they're gonna start and park tomorrow uh there there's no reason for them to run the the duel because all they're gonna do is destroy the race car and then they're gonna be in a problem they're gonna have a problem um i think it's interesting in that point and and when we look at what the gen six races kind of devolved into which was a lot of um yard sailing of vehicles it might lead to maybe a better race i mean i i mean i kind of have a feeling it'll be kind of like 13 in regards to how it was more single file or it might be like 2000 but there's also the possibility that people actually decide to be responsible because they have to save this piece for next week i don't know what you're thinking joe but uh you can um let us know in regards to that and maybe some of the opportunities for some of these smaller efforts to maybe show out in a in a spot that maybe they wouldn't have been able to do even with the last car yeah i mean i'll be honest with you this is an internal the time of the clash because before the clash it was pretty well known that uh, teams were running behind where they wanted to be. The idea was by the start of the season at this point, most teams would have at least 
four cars per individually numbered car, meaning Hendrick Motorsports with four teams would have 16 race-ready vehicles. That's not the case. Some teams are lucky to have three. Some teams have two in the race and one this weekend. Some teams, this may be the only car that they have. So that's a really interesting aspect. The teams that have more race-ready cars, like Hendrick Motorsports, that also have more money, they can pay a little bit more to get those parts and pieces in to make more cars. They actually may be more inclined to be aggressive. However, on the same token, if you go and run the dual race really aggressive and you wreck, they're now getting and loading a new car from the shop, bringing it over to Daytona. And if you wreck that car in the Daytona 500, well, you're down one car. So racing aggressively and racing conservatively, I'm at a point where I think I've exhausted my mind in thinking, okay, well, this driver in particular is going to race one way or not. Um, I think the part shortage is going to play a hand. I think for the most part, you will see a very tame race in both duels. Um, I know typically one duel has a few crashes. Uh, we have a freeze here. I think Joe froze. His duel. Okay. Um, and I know that, uh, am I running into some problems here with uh, the internet? Can you guys hear me? There was a little bit of a buffering issue there, and then there was like a freeze there while you were talking there for about 10 or 15 seconds. Okay. Uh, basically, just to go back on what I was saying, though, um, you know, it, it's this debate is really just going to be, I think, per partially on uh, team orders. You know, do you, you know, what does your owner really want you to do? Because the owner ultimately is going to be the best point. They know where the cars are at, they know how much race ready vehicles they have moving forward. And if you don't have a lot, I have to imagine you're probably going to be pretty conservative this weekend. Um, having the non-charter teams is a whole other story because for some of them, this may be their only start of the year. Truthfully, I don't know that it's been announced if uh, like Greg Biffle is racing anymore with uh, NY Racing after this weekend. But if they're not, then why the hell save the car? Reckon in the 500 if you have to do it to win the race. Um, and, and for some of those drivers, this race really does present a, a more unique opportunity in that everybody's going to be learning about the cars during the race, right? We're all having the practice, but you know, if nobody's racing in line, racing in a pack until the race, everybody learns during the race. And with this car being brand new, uh, not as many hours behind it, uh, as you would have had last year with everybody driving the gen six, that is just a whole nother wrench in it. So this race is basically going to go one of two ways. We're going to have a yard sale and there's going to be probably only a few cars left at the end of the race. It's going to be a very tame finish or drivers are really going to take care of their stuff. And it could be a really exciting finish with a lot of cars. Um, you know, Josh, I wanted actually to touch on some drafting points that you had brought up as well. So on the last time I was on this show, I had just come home from the Roval and looking at some of the Gen 7, the next gen car prototypes. One of the things I criticized on the show about the next gen car was how round the rear bumper is. I have to say the bumper sustained some very hard hits at the clash. And I was watching yesterday as some of the Fords were tandem drafting. I believe it was uh, Brad as well as Busher were tandem drafting. And they seemed pretty okay for the most part. They seemed pretty stable. I don't know if that stability comes from the increased amount of mechanical grip or, or what. If maybe the bumper is uh, less rounded than it looked. Or maybe maybe they 
went and fixed something. I, I don't know. But um, the, it still concerns me a little bit. The round bumper still concerns me. Uh, I think I've gotten partially over that concern for maybe some of the short tracks later this year after watching The Clash. But for this weekend in particular, where there is a lot of bumping, there is a lot of drafting, those Fords have a, a little bit more of a straight nose. So I'm not on edge about the Fords. I think they'll be okay if they want to give a, a harder bump to the car in front of them. But the Toyotas, they have these two points at the front of the nose. And then the nose kind of comes in and it rounds off. So you got like this weird, I don't, I don't know if anybody can see my hands, but it, it's got a real weird shape to it. That concerns me a little bit with the Toyotas, but for the most part, they're a little bit more on the flatter side. I think they probably will be okay. Camaros, I'm really concerned about the Camaros. Yes, I know they're fast in qualifying. I know Hendrick Motorsports, as we were speaking, went one, two, three, four in the first round. Um, I don't care about the speed right now because when you're pushing somebody, if you push them too hard because you're going too fast, and that bumper is real pointy, it's going to send you one way or the other. Better hope it's the way that the cars aren't. So that's really my concern. Um, I was a little shocked, actually, when they did the unveil for these cars that it was so pointy because in 2019, they made it a point that these noses were too pointy. And so for the 2020 season, they redesigned the entire nose so that where you would make bumper contact with another car was a little bit more rounded. Um, so there's still plenty to learn about how these cars race, especially with the uh, the super speedway package. And then you'd make mention they're going to race this at Talladega, Daytona and Atlanta. That's huge because Atlanta is another big unknown. So what they learned this weekend will certainly be used in the future. But you know what? It's the Daytona 500. So I would really hope that drivers recognize that this is a career changing opportunity, literally career changing. Look at Trevor Bain been 11 years since he won the Daytona 500 and he's hung in there. So I would hope that they recognize this opportunity and that they do go for it. However, with parts shortages, all these other crazy factors, I'm not sure we're going to see a very exciting race. Yeah, that's the fear. Um, I mean, there it's what you said, Joe, in regards to the typical yard sale and like Tony when like 2012, it was 2012 when he had his uh, famous uh, post uh, wreck interview where Arning had to keep a straight face. And he's like, I just wish I was involved in one more wreck. Uh, you know, we tape him off solid and go and uh, run for half the race. And then I'll run. They, we can, they yeah, still have not reconfigured Talladega to a uh, figure eight per Tony's request. So well, I don't know what the hold up on that is. Well, they have the Talladega dirt track. I'm pretty sure when the when the brothers and when they have the brothers and sisters uh, inbreeder race there, they probably make it in a figure eight track. Uh, if it isn't that, they probably do that outside of the. They probably do in the infield uh, because when they have their parties, I'm sure they're interesting. Uh, but I guess we'll do a little update here. Uh, Shaq Villeneuve, the uh, 1997 Formula One World Champion, the 1995 Indy 500 and CART uh, World PPG World Series Champion, uh, 50 years old, makes me feel really old because I remember when he was a young guy. Um, Jacques Villeneuve is in the Daytona 500 uh, with the Hensemans team, along with Gagson, with the Beard Motorsports Group um, on speed. We'll see what they do in the duels uh, on Thursday night. And if they race, I mean, if it's Jacques Villeneuve 
I, it's great. I, I'm just glad it's Jacques Villeneuve because anytime he's been in a stock car, it's been exciting. Um, and he's one of the great, he's, he was a great talented driver when he was in his mode. And when he was, he had a, he had a run there uh, from like 95 through 97 or 93 to 97, where he's one of the best drivers in the world, uh, period. Um, of course, it's many years past that, but it's cool to see a new team, you know, a team that's going to run limited races. Of course, right now, uh, they're involved in NASCAR Euro series. So, um he'll run limited races but they're in the daytona 500 so that's cool the the fan base the lcd fan base is happy that gagson made it um the beard motorsports group they uh had uh brendan gone run for them for many years and um they just decided to go with another vegas kid a vegas guy um uh look at nacho libre putting his hand out there trying to cut the air uh there but um, in regards to that, so those two cars are in. Those are the first two cars that are definitely in the Daytona 500. I mean, well, I mean, most of, most of the fields in the Daytona 500 is really about four spots. It's the front row and the um, last two cars that are open that'll make it uh, into the field. Uh, there's Justin Marks. Where's Armando? Why don't we have an Armando sighting here? Um, Armando did a performance during the, the, the clash, and he's Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305, when it's Florida. He should be there. Uh, he'll probably be there on Sunday. But, um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Right now, there's six Chevys, two Toyotas, two Fords that made the top ten. In the at the end of the day, it'll be totally different outside of the front row uh, come Sunday for the big race. But I mean, in general, I think I I had an idea for what we would talk about in regards to what is one like one thing that you like one surprise that you feel like is going to be in the in the playoff and one person that isn't going to be driver that would be a, a a surprise in and surprise out because of how these cars are and what thing what what things are going with this new deal i mean the first part of the season you know when you get to lock in with a win if you go and accumulate a lot of points you could give yourself a cushion if you fall behind to even make it on points because there isn't going to be 16 winners there's way too many drivers in this playoff um that's one of my gripes i've had for many years with the way they do things i think in the truck series they probably they went to 10 they probably should have just kept at it at eight um the xfinity series has 12 they should have 10 and then the cup series should have 12. it's the playoffs you should limit the amount of people who are actually in it um but the fact is a lot of cars you know you have 40 cars nearly half the fields in the playoffs at least in the first round um i mean right now we don't know i mean it's one we've had one race we've had a couple of practice sessions and a qualifying session uh in regards to what we're gonna see here uh, with this car um i mean we don't know i mean we've got our ideas uh joe i'll go with you i mean you're covering the series 
full time. And um, I guess based on some of your stuff, maybe some of the things you're working on, uh, I'm sure that might be something you're going to have to work on eventually. They're probably going to ask you for some predictions. Um, who are you looking at as somebody who could be a surprise that we don't see or might have a rough year? And then maybe somebody on the opposite side that maybe last year was not a factor will be uh, a factor here in 2022. Then I'll go to Josh and then I'll give my thoughts. Yeah. So I, um, the one person I think that really stuck out uh, like a sore thumb when it comes to people who I don't expect to have, at least comparatively speaking, as good of a year as they've had maybe last year, maybe past years as a whole is Brad Keselowski. And, and I don't want to say it's for a lack of talent because it's not what I believe. I think moving to a new team uh, where he is now partial ownership, RFK Racing, uh, moving to a new team that, and the team he's inheriting that he's joining is, uh, has not performed in the past few years. Busher's had a few good runs, uh, did very well at Homestead last uh, spring, but really for the most part, it's a very inconsistent team as far as when does it show up? When does it fall back? Um, You know, this next gen car could be an equalizer in that sense. I don't really expect it to. Uh, not quite yet, at least. Um, so Keselowski, for sure, he, he's the one that comes to mind. And and uh, and he even did struggle a little bit last year. I think there was only one win for him. Um, so, yeah, for sure, I think Keselowski on the struggling side. Somebody I think could really do well this season. Uh, you know, I, I've thought about it quite a bit. And, and, and this, it, I don't know well in the sense of, I think they're going to improve on the week to week just a little bit, but didn't make the playoffs last year and could see the playoffs this year. I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace. Um, now, I am not always on the Bubba hype train. Um, I think for a long time, he underperformed in good equipment, uh, really with the exception of being in the trucks. Uh, however, I, I think that last year, uh, he had a few good runs towards the end of the season. Uh, of course, capped that with a win at Talladega. And I remember back specifically to last year's speed weeks, uh, ran very well in the duel, ran very well in the Daytona 500. And uh, I, I think we could definitely see him continue to move that direction, especially on these uh, pack racing, very draft reliant races at Daytona and Talladega. And you want to throw an Atlanta in there because we anticipate it's going to be uh, raced very similarly. That's, you know, prior to the playoffs. That's, uh, I believe, five opportunities he's got for a win. So he may be one of those drivers who has to win his way in. I'm not sure he's going to be uh, a top 16 points. But I do think from the week to week, he's going to start to improve. And I think by the end of this season, we're really going to see what's up with 23-11. Yeah, those are two good calls there. I mean, Brad and Bubba, I mean, they kind of are close to the heart for me. Um, I mean, I also look at, Bubba with Kurt Busch's uh, expertise and knowledge of, I don't know, 800 years of being in this series. It, it's crazy to think that he's driven for every manufacturer, and um, that is surprising there. Okay. Um, but, you know, the the notion of Bubba being able to be competitive, um, which would make a good segment of the population very angry, which is part of the reason why I want to see it happen. Um, but then also because for 2311 and Denny Hamlin, 
I don't like him as a driver, and quite frankly, I don't really like him as a person. Um, but owner Denny Hamlin is, seems very interesting, and not only that, I think he's a good he's a good voice um, for this sport. And Kyle Busch is the same thing. I don't really like him, but Kyle Busch, the owner in regards to NASCAR health and and viability, has a big big voice, and he's using it. Um, I mean, hell, it's his own old it's his older brother. And he's like, oh, is Kurt going to go and drive races for you in the trucks? It's like, well, bring money, dollar, dollar bills, you know? And they go, okay, like, that's funny. Um, when you're telling your own brother, yeah, you have to bring cash uh, to go. Wow, that was a lot. Uh, um, and to go and get in there and get in a truck. I mean, of course, Kyle's only going to run five races. They got they got some ARCA people and all that, but I'm pretty sure Kurt could get a run. I mean, Greg Biffle ran one or two truck races, and all of a sudden now he's driving a cup car again. Um, Mike backdoor his way into the 500 with a guy who got arrested for felonies. Um, you know, like that would be something. Uh in regards to who do you look at, Josh, um, you know, I guess for somebody that could surprise and somebody that could disappoint uh, as we start uh, the 2022 season in the Cup Series. Well, I'll take a little bit of a different twist on uh, who could surprise, um, and I'll kind of go by driver, but I'll start out with the team, and I'm going to go with uh, Team Trackhouse as uh, that team that kind of surprises. They had a few races early in you know 2021 uh, season where they uh, made you know a lot of gains. They had uh, stage points that they were scoring. Um, Daniel Suarez uh, did pretty well at the dirt track race at Bristol. Um, that was you know one of the races that he did really well at. Um, and they are taking over Chip Ganassi Racing and inheriting um, Ross Chastain, who had a pretty solid year uh, for you know his car as a rookie. And they they've had a lot of speed so far in Daytona as well uh, so far this weekend and or this week. And I think they might be a team that surprises people. And I'm going to go with uh, Ross Chastain actually as that driver I can see from that team make it in. Uh, into the playoffs. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential um, and he's basically keeping the same um, team that he had from Chip Ganassi. I mean, just now under new ownership and uh, change the number and everything. So uh, I look at him, you know, going off of last year, three top fives, eight top tens. Uh, so I, I could see a driver like him kind of making kind of the same run that uh, we saw from Tyler Reddick uh, last year. Um, I mean, didn't win for Reddick, but of course uh, uh, had a, a decent run at least uh during the summer and uh probably could have gone further into the playoffs but um unfortunately wasn't able to do that and i see that kind of uh season for ross chastain um this uh upcoming year and then i think a, a driver that possibly won't do well that um would be a shock to us is uh i'm gonna go with kurt bush actually and uh, i think just uh you know new team uh once again i mean he's gonna be in that leadership role with uh bubba wallace in 2311 but you know it always can be tough with a, a new team especially you know with 2311 they're still trying to expand um and they don't have uh you know, I mean, they have their starting to grow and have that all that resources, but I still feel like maybe even with two cars, um, they're going to still have a little bit of growing pains. But um, I think his role is going to be more of just be kind of like that mentor, you know, veteran for Bubba that uh, he needs to be better. But 
I mean, I see him possibly not making the chase or making the playoffs uh, this upcoming season. Um, it's it's uh, going to be a, a tough year, but uh, for for everybody, especially with this new car. But um, I think you know, I mean, Kurt's been able to make the playoffs in different cars, but just for some reason, I just feel like um, you know, with the way things might turn out this season, he might end up on the outside looking in when it comes uh, down to it uh, at the end of August. You know, when we start uh, the playoffs for uh, this series. Yeah, it's something to we're going to find out for sure. Um, we're not going to have this show out uh, because the executive producer um, is slow with them um, getting the broadcast out. But uh, Young Money is on the poll, the defending Cup Series champion, the defending Knoxville Nationals, Nationals winner, and I don't know, any other, uh, the, the freaking... Um, what do you call the laundromat 500 winner or whatever the fuck any other race he wins? Because every time he seems to jump in a car, he wins. And he didn't win the Chili Bowl, thank God. Um, the Maserol and <clears throat> went and took care of that. And um, other people did. But to go and save us from all the lamestream media going and telling us about how great um, Kyle Larson is um, with his redemption arc. But uh, he will be on pole for the Daytona 500, and Hendrick will have the front row again. Alex Bowman, six years in a row. Is it five or six? Um, this will be number five. Oh, number five. So five years in a row. Thank you, Joe. Uh, five years in a row, um, Alex Bowman, the one guy who's a human at Hendrick Motorsports, has a personality, even though Jeff Gordon wants them all to have personalities, even though none of them do, because Jeff Gordon has no personality, and um, he's just getting fat. But... The fact of the matter is uh, Hendrick Motorsports 1, 2, 3 are right now, uh, of course, that may not hold uh, uh, here by the time we get to Thursday evening. But surprisingly, Clyde didn't have a fast time. Uh, that, that was interesting to me. Um, you would think the most popular driver in the sport would go and get a pole at the Daytona 500, just like his dad used to do. But then his dad... And his un his uncles and all built really fast race cars back in the day. So that's part of um, what led to those poles and those wins at Daytona and all those things. So the fact that Clyde hasn't won a second or third pole, I I think he won at le he won a pole in his rookie year. Um, and um, surprised he hasn't won one since, but. Um, yeah, Young Money will be on the pole for the Daytona 500. Can he go and get another major uh, in this spot in a week where the rumors are he's going to run the Indianapolis 500? Um, if he can go and win this race, I'm, I mean, what's stopping him to go and win Indy 500? I mean, to be fair, um, we're going to talk about it on episode 101 in the IndyCar series in detail. Um, it's going to be a great season um coming up they'll be at st petersburg next week for the their opener um a lot of intriguing things jimmy johnson will be running the full year so i'm just connected to hendrick motorsports two-time daytona 500 winner uh we'll see if that thing passes inspection let's be fair um it's a hendrick car but uh two hendrick cars on the front row young money and uh alex bowman two guys who are at the chili bowl make the front row uh, thursday's duels will confirm the field shaq villeneuve and uh noah 
Gregson are also locked into the Daytona 500. So two spots are available with the open cars to see who will fill the field. And then the actual lineup from 3 to 40 will be set tomorrow in the uh, duels. So, I mean, Hendrick Motorsports getting another front row sweep and uh, is not shocking. Uh, Rick Hendrick has basically made it his thing to want to go and win the pole for the 500 every year, which is nauseating, to be fair. Uh, But, you know, I, I think Alex Bowman wanted that pole. I could have dealt with that a lot better than the defending series champion getting the pole, but it's box office. So, you know, whatever. Um, it is a show. NASCAR is more like WWE. So they want their defending series champion who um, canceled himself and then got a better ride, um, won nine, 10 races and uh, won a championship to go and be on the pole. 181 miles an hour. Whoopee. Um I mean, the point is there were the days we're running 195, 200, 210. We're talking about 181 miles an hour as a pole speed. Uh, But whatever. Uh, It's kind of a bummer. It's Daytona. You'd wish they'd go faster. You got something, Joe? Yeah, I do, actually. So I have stored in my phone because last year I live tweeted Daytona 500 qualifying. And so I'm just, as you said, 181. It just dawned on me. Last year, Alex Bowman, when he won the poll for the Daytona 500, ran a 47.056 at 191 miles an hour. So, I mean, in, in a sense, I'm a little worried. That seems really slow. I know it's a new car. I know... Uh, the, the package is very different to, to try and suit this new car and the racing that it will bring. Um, but I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and say there is some positivity in that. You can only pick up so much speed in a draft pack, likely between five and 10 miles an hour. Uh, so if they're running 191 miles an hour in the race in a big pack, um, while that may be a little bit slower and a little more untraditional, I do think that maybe opens up the opportunity to get more aggressive. Every 10 miles an hour, you go in a car faster. Just think about your road car. Every time you get pick up 10 miles an hour, it gets harder to control the car. It's the same way for these guys. So slowing it down 10 miles an hour in draft racing may not be the worst thing in the world if you want to have a product where people are both racing good and racing hard and racing clean. Uh, so maybe, maybe we will find that marriage. Um, you know, it, uh, that'll be really interesting. I think too, with this car, with the wider wheels, uh, producing more mechanical grip, that could also factor into, uh, when you add in the slower speeds, maybe this will be a very aggressive, uh, pack centric, uh, race. I I'm hesitant still to believe, believe that, but, uh, there are some things, I guess, that are coming out of uh, positive that are coming out of a little bit slower speeds. Yeah, this is the slowest uh, qualifying speed on record uh, at Daytona since 2011. The uh, Coke Zero 400 pole speed was 182.065 miles an hour. And then uh, Daytona 500 that year was 186.089 miles an hour. So yeah, slowest in uh, 11 years. So make that of what you will. And I mean, you make a great point of being more stability in the draft at these speeds. Uh, but you know, again, it's still pack racing. They're going to figure out a way to crash each other. Um, and they'll, they'll figure out a way to make passing happen. But of course, um, 
you know, when you talk about racing and stuff, uh, the, the higher the speeds, it gets more interest, I feel like. And, um, I mean, credit to Hendrick Motorsports for, you know, continuing to, uh, put out great race cars and, uh, uh, great engines that win the, uh, 500 pole every year. But of course it doesn't really, uh, reveal anything about um how the racing is going to be because how you qualify isn't um how you're or you know reflective really of how you're going to race I mean, it can show which cars are the best uh in a draft um depending on the speed but you know for the most part um this is you know basically uh an award mostly for the teams and the owners rather than just the expertise and driving skill of you know manhandling a car like you know we've seen in uh, before the restrictor plate era um you know with the old cars where you really had to you know drive these cars around the corners i mean you're not going to see something like kale yarborough flipping the car uh in turn three and four i mean it's not going to happen unless a total failure happens uh with these cars so um we'll see what happens and hopefully it races better than uh what we have with qualifying so far and i was looking back at like 2011 mark martin qualified at like 182 miles an hour for the 2011 uh was a coke zero 400 so i'm trying to figure out what was when was the last time they were this slow for the uh pole speed for the 500 though um because it just kind of bothers me <laughs> that they're going that slow, but it is what it is. I think we'll see what happens in the duels. Uh, two cars out of the four, uh, the four cars that have to drive their way in, uh, two of them will make it for sure, are the two um, MBM, so the uh, car long cars, Timmy Hill, JJ Yaley. And then Greg Biffle for NY Racing and Kaz Grala for uh, uh, Mayweather. And I mean, I like Kaz Grala, but I don't like who he's driving for personally for many reasons. But um, two of those four will make the show along with Shaq Villeneuve and uh, Noah Gagson to go and fill out the field for the Daytona 500. The full field will be set during Thursday's duels whatever is going to come of those. And we get a Daniel Suarez interview. Look at that. Um, I guess Jamie Little's deciding to go and do something a little different with her hair instead of having your stupid ponytail that somebody should take an air gun and um, rip off her head. But, um, you know, uh, we have, we'll get into the Daytona 500 more in detail. What takes place, probably go over how it was in the whole weekend uh, in a little more uh, next week, along with IndyCar uh, preview. I want to go and move on. I mean, there there's nothing to really go on on this in regards to uh, what's been going on because we don't we haven't had any practice yet. Uh, the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series, like we we talk or. I think I did. Well, you know what? I'll, I'm going to go rewind back. Before we get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series, I didn't give my thoughts on somebody who's going to surprise and somebody who's going to not be there in the uh, playoff situation. Um, I mean, thinking about last year and the playoffs, you have 16, of course, 16 teams that make the playoffs. Um, certain teams make it because they won one race. Certain teams are up there uh, in, uh, and they get there for whatever luck, whatever you want to talk about. I mean, in the 
I'm looking at the playoff situation. Um, the surprise, the driver that I think will not make it based on, you know, drivers that were up there in the top half of the 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 points, you know, in terms of like the top 20. Hey, Brad Keselowski's brought up. There's a couple other people there. I'm, I'm going to go and say Christopher Bell. Um, and it's bad for jgr uh since it's bad and good for jgr it's bad and for toyota it's bad because christopher bell and toyota they've invested so much money in him but the problem is he's the fourth driver at jgr there's also the aspect of martin truex jr they're going to try to force him out because he's too old um 20 cars been the redheaded stepchild since tony stewart got out of it really um Matt Kenseth should have won the 2013 Cup Series championship uh but you know things happen and of course Jimmy got number 6 uh but to be fair outside of that one year the 20 car has not been a regular force the way it was when Tony drove it um and I wonder what Christopher Bell is going to bring to the table, albeit he has Adam Stevens, who's one of the best crew chiefs in the sport. But they didn't really do a whole hell of a lot last year. And if I mean, you look at Kyle Busch, they have he has a new crew chief again, and they have sponsorship issues at the 18, and he's one of the best drivers there's ever been. It's crazy that I said that, um, considering I think Kyle Busch is a tool, but his talent um, is undeniable. You know, it kind of goes the same way as uh, fish lips in Formula One. He has great talent. He's an asshole. His dad's a prick. Um, He's a prick. The team he drives for is full of them. But, you know, it's the same kind of thing. But in terms of Christopher Bell, um, this is going to be a tough year. I wonder what he brings to the table. Can he come through? Can he go and break through? And, and I mean, he won a truck series championship, but can he go and take that next step? You know, and go and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here. I know that Rev Gibbs is gonna put his grandson in a car, but he's not gonna replace me. He's gonna replace Martin Truex and send him to an early retirement. Like that can he do that? That's something I'm I'm curious about. Um driver, I think that will come in. You can just put it out there. I will flag myself because I'm honest to a fault, but I, I, wear, I wear my heart in my sleeve, and I'm out there, and I don't care. Chase Briscoe will be in the playoff, and he will win multiple races this year. Uh, between the fact that, you know, like Joe mentioned it, you know, Stuart Haas, I think we mentioned it offline, where Stuart Haas might have sold out uh, last year with how bad they were uh, to go and be more prepared for this Gen 7 next gen uh, vehicle. Briscoe is somebody who improves the more reps he has. Um, the second year in the Xfinity, he won nine races, and the only person that really truly stopped him outside of his own team and himself was Austin Singer uh, from winning a championship. Uh, he won Rookie of the Year basically by default, uh, but this car and with his experience, because Ford had him drive vehicles that have um, this similar kind of uh, setup, it, it sets up for him to be able to do well on road courses. It, ha it sets up for him to do well on, you know, other tracks where it suits his um, driving style. And, you know, he probably should have won Indy, um, but, you know, whatever happened, happened there. Um, 
used up Denny Hamlin, which made me happy personally. But um, the fact of the matter is, uh, I think he'll get his first win. He'll get multiple wins this year. And he'll be a factor uh, this year in the, the Cup Series, which will be good because Kevin Harvick needs some backup in regards to Stuart Haas. Ford is in a lot of flux in regards to where they are and who are going to be the big names and not. Um, Logano, of course, is the lead dog at Penske. Harvick is always going to be the lead dog at, at SHR until further notice. Brad has taken over the RFK effort there, but there has to be a youth movement and there has to be guys that actually can drive uh, because there are other people that are junior drivers in regards to the Ford program that more or less are there for PR or for because they have sponsorship and not because they actually can go and get the job done. So we will see what happens with that. Um uh, Phil, if you don't mind me chiming in here, I think a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned about Chase Briscoe and him being a threat, uh, you want to talk about him. I think a lot of that you can pull over and put right on Austin Sindrick as well. I mean, these two guys have been racing right around each other now for a few years, you know, running Xfinity together, now going to be running Cup together. Uh, and Sindrick did run a few races pretty Truck successfully. What's that? Truck series teammates, I think, as yeah, well. Truck series teammates, too. So, you know, they know each other. They're both at the Ford camp. Both of those drivers at one point in their career were sort of moved into sports car racing by Ford. And they said, hey, we want to help develop you. You're not quite there yet. Let's get you in some sports cars, bring you back over to NASCAR in a little bit. And uh, it, it's a very interesting dynamic between those two because they're they're very similar in a lot of ways because of their experience. Um, so I think Sindrick and, you know, I, I didn't want to say Sindrick because he is with Team Penske. They have been doing uh, pretty well for themselves the past few seasons. But um, I, 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 I think he is a little bit of a sleeper. You know, uh, people have forgotten that he is part of this rookie battle this year. Um he, because he has so much experience, uh, last year did so well for himself at uh, the races that he ran in Cup, uh, had a great run in his duel and the Daytona 500, multiple road course starts in the Cup Series and did very well in all of those. Uh, I know he ended up breaking something. I want to say it was at Road America while he was running top three and leading laps in that race. Uh, so you, these two guys now, Austin Sindrick, as well as Chase Briscoe, you're now putting them into a car that is more like cars that they probably have more experience running than many other drivers in the rest of the field. I don't think that just makes them, uh, able to be successful. I think that actually makes them almost dangerous when it comes to certain types of, uh, racetracks, especially the road courses, you know, Chase Elliott. Kyle Larson, they've really been putting together these road course races. I don't know that that domination stays with them. Uh, so, so just to bounce off, it was a quick thought I had. And it actually works out because it transitioned into something we were talking about uh, before we got on air. Uh, this rookie battle, Cindric, uh, who gets into one of the premier rides in this sport, uh, the the what the car that is the premier car at Penske Racing or has been. Um, the one that Rusty Wallace drove, the one that Brad um, Kurt Busch took over after winning 
a Cup Series championship uh, two years after winning a Cup Series championship, and then Brad took over. The reality is he's only the fourth driver. It's kind of like, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you're taking over something that's barely, and, and you're having to replace champions. Uh, all three drivers before you have won a Cup Series championship and um, done a lot of work, won a lot of races. Brad is the winningest driver for Penske and NASCAR. Um, it's big shoes to fill. You knew and everybody and their mother knew that he was going to be in that spot because his dad runs a team. But it's in the last couple of years, Austin Sindrick has gotten away in a sense from, you know, the nepotism factor and proven that, yeah, I'm a stock car driver. I can do this. Uh, he's got the sports car ability still. I'm pretty sure um, he would have been able, Penske would have run a sports car program. He could have been in that. But in the end, he's become a really good stock car driver. You have him, you have Harrison Burton driving the Wood Brothers 21 car uh, to go and have somebody that actually has talent driving the 21 car, um, somebody who is raw and uh, has a lot of potential in regards to that. You have Todd Gilland, which fits the whole front row motorsports mold of giving uh, raw or relatively raw drivers um, an opportunity in regards to like being in the big time. Uh, in the same token, of course, there's the connection, family connection to his dad, who of course drove for Front Row Motorsports for many years. Uh, there, in regards to the rookie battle in the uh, Cup Series, uh, trying to go and look at this, I had to go. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember it's those three guys uh, and did anybody else declare i know that um yeah so yeah joe yeah i was just gonna say according to nascar um what i'm reading here uh from a staff report a few days ago uh it, it's just those three so you you know a ford will take home that rookie of the year trophy and i think that's something uh that you had mentioned offline prior to the show um to me just sizing these three up uh, you have Cindric and Harrison Burton, I think, is a super interesting dynamic. They've raced alongside of each other uh, for, what, two, three years now in Xfinity. Um, and now they're corporate teammates. So they don't both run for Penske. You have Cindric in, uh, in the Penske car. But Burton in the 21, that Wood Brothers car that's affiliated and gets much of their uh, equipment uh, from Team Penske, uh, this could be a very interesting battle because these two essentially are – have to act as teammates for a lot of the season. And, and then ultimately they're going to go and, and battle it out for a trophy between one of them. Nothing against Todd Gilliland. Um, I do think he has uh, a raw talent and he, he very much impressed me last year, especially at the end of the season with some of the runs he had uh, in the trucks. But making that jump from trucks right into cup is something that I think is is extremely daunting. Um, and quite frankly, the way the 34 and the 38 at front row have run uh, consistently over the past few years, you know, I know everybody uh, loved how McDowell really uh, outperformed the, the equipment he was in the first few races of last season. But, you know, if you want to 
come in on a realistic level, uh, the equipment that Gilliland is going to be competing in is not going to compete with the two or the 21 that uh, Sindrick and Burton respectively will be driving. So I definitely expect it's going to be Sindrick or Burton. I have to say, just based off of the past few seasons, I'm thinking it's Sindrick uh, as an early favorite for sure. Whether or not that develops, uh, time will only tell. Yeah, I think the safe the safe bet is Gumby because I think he's going to win a road course race and might win too. Um, if there's, you mentioned it earlier, guys both mentioned it. If there's somebody who could be a rookie and actually be a factor, I mean, there's there is precedence. There's Tony in '99 coming into the sport not really having a whole lot of you know experience or real success in a stock car. And then jumping into the Cup Series, won three races, finished fourth in the points. Jimmy Johnson won three races, finished fifth in points in 2002. Danny Hamlin won two races and finished third in points in a playoff chase format uh, in 2006. And of course, you look at all of them and they have 40 plus wins, all of them. Uh, Do I think that Austin Sindrick can be that kind of driver? Uh, that I, I'm not so sure about that, but the potential is there, uh, because of the way the schedule, uh, lays out and the notion of his road racing ability, which has never been in question. Um, this sport, the way it's laying out could end up and the way this car is could really lead to an Austin Sindrick kind of running away with this rookie of the year. But it's more, it's not even about the rookie of the year. Um, it could be bigger. Uh, you know, he could have been a two time Xfinity Series champion. He was a turn away from two turns away from being a two time Xfinity Series champion, like Martin Truex, like uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., like many others over time, like O. Richard. You're forgetting O. Richard. Oh, you just said him. Yeah. Yeah. I said it. I, I, I had to say it. Um, I, I, I didn't want to, you, you know, I mean, Josh, you know, I can't, I can't, there's any chance I get to say, Oh, Richard, I have to say, Oh, Richard, but, um, I was kind of surprised that the 47 had no speed tonight, but, um, we'll see. He's one of the most aggressive drivers in the draft. So we will see what he does in the duels. Uh, if there's uh, a will, there's a way for Ricky Stenhouse at Daytona. There is. And Talladega too. And his dad will figure out a way to get to victory lane even if he has to go through a fence um and get escorted by the um the fine cops uh of whatever establishment uh that they are at but um Cindric, i think is is the definite favorite todd gillen more than anthony alfredo i think is more capable get into a cup car and be able to do something the front row motorsports team they are what they are uh there's been some crew chief and movement uh uh blake harris who's uh um caitlin vincey's husband will be the crew chief of the 34 car um i mean i like looking at caitlin vincey she's sexy she's a milf um so and and blake harris is somebody who has been a loyal soldier for martin truex jr going back to the um, furniture row days so there's intrigue in that um seth barber uh, stays at the 38 um he's a good solid crew chief i think that might be a better fit kind of like what john hunter 
had there, but he wrecked a lot. But then we saw what he did last year once he went back to the truck series and he had somebody that believed in him at Kyle Busch Motorsports and Kyle. And then he had that whole situation. I'm forgetting crew chief off the top of my head coming back to the truck series and what they had there. The reality is Todd Gilland, it's up, he has, he's up against it. Probably not going to really contend or do anything. Keeping it clean, keeping simple, super speedways, short tracks, where Todd Gilland has always proven that he's able to do work. I think he'll be able to do something. Harrison Burton's the intriguing one. Can Harrison Burton live up to the potential that, you know, Joe Gibbs and them thought he had, but then they didn't have the spot for him. And in turn, because of sponsorship, you know, kind of continuity and things, the Wood Brothers, Virginia, the whole Virginia connection, trying to go and take an opportunity to get somebody who has um, the potential to be big, but it's a low risk, high reward kind of situation, which is similar to the whole Ryan Blaney deal. Um, I think Harrison Burton's very safe, uh, which is good for the Wood Brothers in regards to building themselves towards what whoever they're going to have next. Um, he's a very, uh, you know, very PC, um, very trained. His dad, of course, is going to be running the driver's count, be a part of the driver's council, the new driver's council. Um, his uncle is one of the greatest people that's ever lived in, in the history of society um, in Ward Burton. And um, I think Harrison Burton, there's a lot of potential there, but Toyota quit on him. And it's and usually when Toyota quits on people or they let him go, it goes wrong. So I feel like Harrison Burton could do something. Do I think it's going to be this year? Not sure. But I think long term, um, I wish Ryan Blaney was in the 21 car, but of course, sponsorships and money and everything has him in 12. Harrison Burton has a chance to kind of be, you know, like the old school 21, whether it was the late Neil Bonnet, whether it was Morgan Shepard. You could go and run there and make something and run there for a while. And you have all the Virginia connections. You have the family connections and build something there. Uh, but we will see. And we'll see what happens uh, uh, this season in regards to the Cup Series. Want to transition over. I think I meant to transition over to that a while ago, but, um, you know, it is me. Uh, the Xfinity Series, uh, we have, I mean, just to go and think about this particular race, the Daytona 300, I'm not going to mention the sponsor uh, because it changes every year anyway. Uh, 47 drivers for 38 spots. Uh, 33, top 33 fastest will be locked in and final five will be locked in on points. Of course, um, I mean, Ty Gibbs is a big one. He won the ARCA championship. Uh, there's three drivers, it looks like, declared for rookie of the year and two of them drive for RCR. Uh, there's been shuffling at uh, uh, Junior Motorsports. There's some teams that are limiting the amount of cars they're going to have. Um, you know, I, I mean, to me personally, this series is, I think Josh Berry versus Ty Gibbs. I think that's, that's where we, we start this, um, in regards to who's going to compete for this championship. I mean, I'm a Sheldon Creed guy too. 
Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Josh Berry Mark. I'll, I'll be a Josh Berry Mark period because he's come from nothing to get to the spot and he's a junior guy and the whole bit. So I want to see him do well. And he did well in his limited starts in a cup car. He did well in his limited starts in a truck. So I'll be a mark for him. And if he beats Ty Gibbs, it'll make me happy because Ty Gibbs needs to be humbled in the worst way. The, the point is Josh Berry and Ty Gibbs. I think that's the overall thing. Uh, you have the notion of some of these other guys, Gagson, you have, uh, you have the JR Motorsports team, you know, all has been there forever and he's become like the Elliot Sadler um sam Mayer, who tried to hit everything but the lottery um but he'll he won't have any problems with money you have our motorsports there that they expanded i think sheldon creed fan of sheldon creed he's like robbie gordon 2.0 there's a lot of intrigue there him and austin hill at rcr are going to be factors in this uh, situation in this playoff course colleague has the defending series champion and daniel hemrick they have aj allmendinger who's one of the best drivers the whole year and landing castle who's in the best ride he's had in a long time as your three full-time drivers so colleague's gonna be up there uh, there aren't really many fords uh, that'll be out there so that kind of sucks for me um as a ford guy uh, Myatt Snyder moves over to Jordan Anderson Racing. Uh, Jesse Awuji will be uh, with help from Emmett Smith, be running a uh, full-time season uh, with Chevy and Hendrick uh, help, Hendrick engines and Chevy support. And looking, I'm just going through some of the teams. Uh, yeah, you have Alpha Prime, which will have Raja Karuth uh, running limited races. Uh, the 45 will have a varying array of drivers, including uh, Nazareth, Pennsylvania's own Sage Karam, uh, Kaz Gralla, Howie Di Savino out of the Arca East. And then, um, yeah, Ty Gibbs, they announced that he's going to be running the full season. That's no shock. Uh, Josh Williams will be running the flagship 78 for BJ McLeod. Uh, DGM's having a little bit of shuffling. Stefan Parsons will be part of uh, BJ McLeod's team full-time. Riley Herbst will be wasting a ride, as he's done his whole entire life. Uh, but, um, Josh, uh, let's get into it. I mean, we haven't had practice. We don't know what the heck the Xfinity cards are going to do here at Daytona. It is a wide-open race. Uh, lock in, you lock yourself into the playoffs here. Um, if you win at Daytona, uh, Tyler Reddick did it in a photo finish and ended up winning the championship. Other guys have won and been able to go and advance themselves pretty far, like Gagson and whatever. So, are we going to see a junior motorsports benefit? Can Josh Berry go out there, win at Daytona? Uh, following his uh, buddy and car owner, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and set himself up for a championship? Or is Ty Gibbs going to be aggressive uh, and go and do what he has to do and probably run over somebody because that's part of his habit? Or maybe it's somebody else. What are you thinking in regards to the x Mini series here for 2022? Well, I mean, you're right. We haven't seen any practice or anything like that to really get an idea of who might be a contender at this race. But, I mean, I'm going to go off of history here and – 
I mean, you look at the last couple of years of Xfinity Series uh, Super Speedway Racing and look at uh, Colleague Racing. They figured out a formula to stay up front, be in contention for the win. Obviously, they have committed to playing the team game where they all stick together and uh, run up front for the most part. And it's really them versus the field and other uh, drivers, other teams try to figure out a way to break up the colleague cars um, and either make them go against each other or you know try to just get them behind uh, uh, in the field. So, I, I mean, I, I look at colleague first. Uh, they, they have an ability for whatever reason that not only can they team race, but they're also fast at doing it. Uh, and any one of them, you know, gets up to the last lap, uh, could end up being the winner in this race. I mean, Daniel Hemrick, Xfinity Series champion, uh, going to be debuting with Colleague, and uh, he's going to have the team racing aspect, of course, with Landon in the number 10, and then uh, AJ Allmendinger coming back uh, to be in the 16. So, I mean, right out of the gate, I mean, those three cars, you can honestly pick any one of them. Um, but then also with junior motorsports, I mean, you talk about, could it be a junior motorsports benefit? And to be honest, I would like to see the junior motorsports cars also adopt that, um, team racing, uh, aspect. They kind of did it, um, in Daytona last year and maybe a little bit at Talladega last year as well, but I mean, they didn't do it as effectively as colleague. And so I would like to see, uh, that team in specific. Uh, be able to try that out. I mean, you go back to the old days, you know, the the early 2000s, uh, Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, you know, Dale Jr., Michael Waltrip uh, rode, rode together. Um, I mean, later it was Jr. and Tony Stewart, but I mean, the, those days it was the 15 and the 8 that they always drafted together at the Super Speedways. Um, you know, Truex and Jr. in the Bush Series uh, for Chance 2. Um, so there's history with Earnhardt's teams being able to kind of team race together and in these uh, restrictor plate races. And so I'd like to see that uh, come out with uh, the one, the um, seven, the eight and the nine, uh, be able to figure that out. Cause um, if, if they can, you know, do something, then maybe it might be a little bit more interesting uh, trying to see who can, you know, these teams who can draft together and, and race for the win. So I look look at that aspect. Um, you mean, you bring up uh, Ty Gibbs. I mean, he also has teammates as well um, in, you know, the 18 with Drew Dollar racing in this race and uh, Brandon Jones. So there's another aspect there with uh, that um, team racing mentality. But I mean, I I feel like um, those cars, they may be a little bit more individualist, I guess, and try to race for themselves, especially Ty Gibbs, young driver, uh, very aggressive, um, doesn't, you know, have as much experience on these super speedways as some of the other drivers and now going to be going uh, full time uh, to compete for the championship could uh, benefit any of these guys, especially if, you know, they go out and win this first race. Um, so, I mean, those are really the players I feel like uh, in this race. Of course, you got Sheldon Creed going up to the Xfinity Series racing with RCR. That's uh, another guy who's been pretty good at uh, super speedway racing in the truck series. Um, so he could be somebody, you know, to, uh, you know, be up there in the front. Um, I mean, there, I mean, some of the other back, you know, drivers who, you know, normally aren't up there at super speedways or, well, normally not up there in the regular races, but, you know, super speedways, they have a chance. I mean, I mean, Brett, Brett Moffitt, I think could be somebody that is uh, a threat at these races. And I mean, we've seen like these small teams, um, surprise and come up to the front, um, especially with Daytona and Talladega, give you a chance to, uh, ride in the pack. And then, you know, you can draft up to the front. Uh, I mean, Brandon Brown, of course, I mean, 
uh, last win being tainted, of course, but uh, he's always been really good at, you know, restrictor play racing. So uh, I would look at him potentially as somebody who could be up there at the end of the, um, the end of this race. So a lot of good threats here, but I mean, mainly I'm just really interested in the uh, junior motorsports and colleague. If, you know, each of the drivers from these teams is going to work together and, you know, race against each other. And I mean, it's going to be annoying for, I guess, a lot of fans if both of the teams figure it out. Um, Cause you know, when teams kind of, you know, tend to co um, collaborate with each other, kind of, kind of takes away from the racing aspect, I guess, where everybody's fighting for position. But if they manage to stick together all the way up into the end, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting once it comes to the last lap, which of these teammates is going to go out and try something to go for the win here uh, in this uh, race, which, you know, of course, is a huge win, especially Xfinity Series. And, of course, uh, a win would lock yourself into the playoffs uh, for the Xfinity Series championship this year. Yeah, it's it's early days, and it'll be the same thing for the truck series. Uh, Joe, I don't know what you've done in regards to Xfinity coverage. It's kind of still been in limbo, uh, which is what you know the Xfinity truck series are coming up to this race weekend, which has been the case for a while. Uh, I mean, to me, I think it's Barry and Gibbs. Uh, there are. The RCR aspect is there. You have veterans in Allgaier and uh, others, AJ Almanier and Allgaier, those two guys that have a lot of experience that um, have won races. But what are you looking for this year in regards to the Xfinity Series? I mean, there isn't really a Ford presence, so it'll be either a Toyota or a, a Chevy, um, more than likely, that wins. Can Daniel Hemrick repeat here? Can Daniel Hemrick actually go out and win multiple races? He finally got over the hump. He went and moved Sindrick, won that championship, got over a hump that's been existing for many years. Uh, people judging him on his inability to win and close the deal. Well, he closed the deal in the big spot last uh, November um, and got that championship. And... Now, at Colleg Racing, he's put himself in a spot being in the flagship 11 where a good year could possibly net him an opportunity to go and um, make good in the Cup Series after he kind of got ran out the door after winning Rookie of the Year, no less, um, with RCR. Um, what are you looking at in regards to the 2022 Xfinity Series season? Yeah, so, you know, Similar to Cup, I think this year in Cup, there's a lot of questions revolving around the series because of the car. Uh, to me, the 2022 Xfinity series has a lot of questions revolving around it because of a lot of the faces, uh, whether it's faces in new places, maybe drivers who have been part-time but have never uh, run full-time like a Ty Gibbs or a Josh Berry who are now uh, really stepping into it. You know, this is going to be a very interesting year for Xfinity Series racing. Uh, and in the fact, too, by the way, we've lost a lot of those front-running drivers that we've seen in past years in Xfinity, like Justin Haley, like Austin Sindrick and Chase Briscoe we talked about a few minutes ago. So for me, uh, this this is a, a question mark in terms of drivers. Um, Hemrick, you want, you want to talk about Hemrick? Um, I, I believe in him. I believe that there's potential. Um, I, I still, you know, I have my hesitations about him as I think I have probably for the last two or three years now, just because he has been in top tier equipment. I mean, look, 
I love that, you know, he finally got over that hump. He broke through. He won that race. And for him, because of his consistency, it led to a championship. That's even better. But really, it's one win in how many races? And one win last year in a top-tier car. That 18 car, whether it's in Cup or Xfinity, is a winning car. No matter who is behind it, it should be a winning car. And winning only one race, I mean, winning a race is hard, and I don't want to take away from that. But winning only one race in a in a in a team that should be winning multiple. I mean, come on, Ty Gibbs only ran half the season. And how many wins did he walk away with? Three, four wins? I mean, I, I four. worry. Four. I okay. So even more to it. I mean, I really do worry. If he does not do well this year, uh, if he doesn't win a race, I'll 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 go with just a single race. If he does not win a race. I think it's over for him. He has been going for a long time and his talent is undeniable. Anybody who's been watching him since his days with Brad Keselowski racing and trucks knows it. The problem is he can't close. And if he continues to not be able to close, I mean, that's the biggest part of the race is closing the deal, sealing it out with a win that ultimately leads to more wins that ultimately leads to championships. You know, I don't want to say necessarily that he got lucky in winning his championship. I think luck had a hand in it, but, you know, one win to secure the championship in a last lap pass, for me, it's not enough to convince me. He needs to go out this year. This is the year he needs to convince me and he needs to convince everybody that, yes, he can win multiple races. Yes, he can contend for a championship. In a, in a fashion that follows the more traditional suit. Because one, one championship is great. Any championship is great. But when you do it in such a style that he did last year, doesn't always equate to longevity in the sport. And he's already been there for a while. His longevity is dying. He needs to refresh it. He needs to recharge it. Um, kind of shifting off of that to something you had mentioned, Ty Gibbs versus Josh Berry. To me, this is like, this is so fascinating to me. You have Josh Berry, who has come from very little and has worked his way through the ranks at a relatively slower rate um, and a little bit older, too, to come into the Xfinity series. He's not really a young gun. He's a young guy, but, you know, he's got a lot younger competing against him. Um, and finally, after all these years in 2020, he gets his big break. He gets to drive a few races for junior motorsports in the first half of the season wins at Martinsville. And then I don't want to say again, I don't want to say it's luck, but out of luck for his situation gets to fill in a vacated seat while Michael Annette cannot drive and, uh, and puts together a great performance at Las Vegas wins again. And, uh, you know, and so the story lives here. We are on the other hand, we have Ty Gibbs who really until last year, I'll admit he wasn't even on my radar. Uh, you know, he's worked through the ranks at a little bit faster pace, much younger. I mean, I'm only 22 and he makes me feel old. And, you know, he is, again, only drove about half the season last year. Four wins. I mean, my God, dude, slow down. I'm a little worried. But uh, really, all jokes aside, again, here we are. These guys are two totally different people, right? One who really, you know, worked his way into racing. One was almost grandfathered into racing. It was like his destiny. Ty Gibbs, you're the grand, you're the guy, uh, grandson of, of an NFL Hall of Fame football coach and a NASCAR Hall of Fame car owner. I mean, come on, it, it's your destiny to be in sports in some capacity. And uh, 
So this is so totally fascinating because I don't know if there have ever been such polar opposite drivers, uh, at least in recent years, where I think I really truly believe that they're both going to do very well for themselves. Um, I think at least one of them will make the final four. If I'm basing it on last year's performance alone, I have to favor Ty Gibbs. Uh, Ty proved that he can drive on any style of racetrack against the best and, and beat him. Um, you know, I, with Barry, I think, again, it was a little bit slower to get up to speed, had that early win, um, and then a lot of strong performances in the one car. So, you know, for me, it, it's really hit or miss. I think it's basically going to come down to who just has less luck, maybe gets caught up in that wreck, the big one, um, one too, you know, or is in one too many precarious situations. I could really go either way. Um, I'm going to favor Gibbs, I think, just because he, uh, you know, it, the talent's just so raw because he he hasn't been driving for so long, whereas Barry has. The talent is so raw. And typically that raw talent for a driver who is so young where the experience isn't there, not only makes them dangerous now because of their talent, but once they are experienced, I mean, Kyle Busch potential. And I'm not kidding. Kyle Busch came in the sport the same way, had that raw talent and over the years built the experience. And we, we are here today where he's a two-time champion, over 200 wins now between the three touring divisions, the national touring divisions. I mean, it's no joke when I say Ty Gibbs may be at the start of that style of journey, but you want to talk short-term, you want to talk about the right here and now, uh, I still am going to favor Ty Gibbs over Barry. However, uh, I think it's just going to be a fascinating battle with a lot of twists and turns between those two. And uh, uh, just to go on to this weekend, kind of bouncing off of some things Josh said uh, for Daytona, I, I think he hit it the nail right on the head. It, it's going to be between junior motorsports and colleague racing. Colleague racing has this incredible, undeniable culture that it has affected every single one of the drivers that have ever raced for the team. And it, it's really insane to see how it has changed some drivers. I mean, look, Almondinger, he's opened up about it, how at Team Penske, at JTG, when he was driving for the 47 a uh, few years, um, there was never this strong and this positive of a team environment, a team culture, and it has revived him. I mean, he was in the broadcast booth for IMSA a few years ago. We never thought he had a chance in hell to come back to NASCAR. Last year, he almost won the Xfinity Series championship, had you know a few things happened, and truthfully, he had a better car. At, uh, at Phoenix, you know, things could be very different. So it's undeniable that colleague will somewhat, some way find their way to the front at Daytona and Talladega. It's just inevitable at this point. Um, junior Motorsports is not quite there. However, uh, they, they have been working together better on those restrictor plate tracks. Obviously, as Josh said, the owner, Dale Jr., he knows the importance of that because he was a part of that in the early 2000s in the cup side. Um, so, you know, that for Daytona is a very interesting battle for me. Uh, but I'm also going to throw in a few statistics there. College racing, if you want to look at Daytona International Speedway, has won the last three summer races, uh, but does not have a win in the uh, the opening race of the year. On the flip side, Junior Motorsports has not won a summer race at Daytona. I I don't think ever, if I'm reading this chart correctly, 
Uh, or no, I'm Kane. sorry. It, that goes back to 2014 when Kane won uh, the the summer race. Uh, but they have a lot of the 300 miler wins. Noah Gregson in 2020 took a win. Michael Annette the year before won. The year before that was that amazing finish you had mentioned between Elliott Sadler and Reddick with Reddick coming on top. Uh, a few years before that, Chase Elliott in another photo finish. Regan Smith in 2014. So, I mean, this has been almost a decades-long thing where junior motorsports has, you know, maybe every other year on average been winning this spring race at Daytona. So, uh, if you want to talk on average, it's been every other year. Well, it's every it's the other year now because Cindric won last year. So, uh, real interesting statistically as well, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, and that's another aspect of it. You know, the 300 at Daytona seems to be more random than even the the summer race. I mean, when it comes to uh, the winners, I mean, Annette somehow or another won a race there. You know, Gagson won there. Uh, You know, uh, what's it called? Uh, Tyler Reddick got the photo finish. So there's the Earnhardt aspect of it. But then you have the colleague aspect. Uh, being able to do things on super speedways and there of course Gibbs is there so it's something we will see um, as we get to Saturday and we'll talk about next week on the GSP as we lead into the start of the Xfinity series season Um, truck series will have the next era energy 250 this uh, coming Friday there will be look what is it? Um, 42 drivers for 36 spots. Um, in regards to how many, try, I forget how many will get locked in and how many will be on speed. Uh, I think it's probably like 30 or 31 on speed and uh, five with points. Uh, so that'll be an interesting thing. Maybe it's a little bit less. I'm, I'm not sure off the top. Um, anybody wants to go chime in, I'll take that information. But um, yeah, yeah, you have Johnny Sauter driving for a new team with Tim Vines as his crew chief, so that'll lead him to some great success, or it'll lead him to the insurrection, one or the other. Uh, Matt Jaskell, that's part of the new um, G2G team. Uh, Christian Eckes will be running full season for Thor Sport Racing, defending series champion Ben Rhodes uh, with Rich Lucius. Uh, winner of this race uh, last year, you'll have uh, Colby Howard along with Derek Krause as teammates at M- McAnally Hilgeman Racing. With uh, uh, I thought they went to Chevy, but um, it says Toyotas on this entry list, so I guess they screwed that up. Um, multiple three-time series champion Matt Crafton with Jeff Hensley now as his crew chief. Jeff Hensley was at our motorsports, but decided to go and take the opportunity to go and win a truck series championship with Matt Crafton. Um, Ty Majeski will be running a full season with Thor Sport Racing uh, with Joe Shear Jr. as his crew chief. Uh, Chase Purdy joins uh, Tyler Ankrum as uh, teammates for Hattori, HRE, Hattori Racing. Um, Purdy, who hit everything but the lottery last year, will get a theoretical pseudo-upgrade and ride. Uh, you have Corey Heim, who's going to be running a lot of the season in the 51 truck for Cowboy Motorsports. 
Lawless Allen, one of the greatest names in the history of the world. I just love saying it. Lawless Allen um, will be a part of Nice Motorsports with um, playoff guy and uh, guy who, I mean, Carson Hosevar. I mean, there's certain people he looks like, and it just interests me. With Phil Gould, uh, they'll be the main team. Dean Thompson and Chris uh, and Lawless Allen will also run for rookie of the year. Uh, uh, Richard Petty's grandson, Mr. The King's grandson, Dad Moffat, will be trying to attempt to make the race in the STP Chevy, number 43, for Josh Reum. Uh Zane Smith moves from GMS to the Front Row Motorsports 38 Ford. Uh, you have Tate Fogelman, who will be running for On Point Motorsports, the winner at Talladega last October. Matt DiBurrito goes from running in the 21 uh, Cup Series car to being in the Rackley War Chevy. Jack Wood will be running for Rookie of the Year from GMS, along with Grin Enfinger. Uh, so they've reduced the two cars, of course, with their affiliation with Pat Richard Petty uh, in the Cup Series. Uh, Danny Bone moves over to Young's Motorsports, at least for this week. Chandler Smith will be back with Cobblech Motorsports in the Safe Light Toyota. You have Tanner Gray there. Haley Dean will be the full season drivers at DGR uh, Racing. Jesse Little will be driving the O2 with Eddie Traconis coming back from suspension. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, who with Eric Phillips was the favorite for a lot of the year, but didn't follow through at Phoenix. <coughs> and unfortunately for them in that final race, but he's probably a favorite. May not be at Daytona, but I think overall for this season, John Hunter Nemechek with his talent and ability with Eric Phillips and Kyle Busch Motorsports, um, I think he's going to be able to accumulate the points and, and give himself a cushion, get himself to Phoenix again, and close the deal um, like his dad did in 1992 for the Bush Series Championship. Um I mean, outside of that, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, drivers, a lot of the turnover. Will Hattori Racing be able to compete with two trucks versus always being at one? Can Grand Enfinger get over the hump and get that champion, elusive championship at GMS, which has uh, uh, gotten Johnny Sauter, gotten Sheldon Creed, other people to that threshold, to that pedestal? Uh, you have Zane Smith, who's trying to continue in the sport and move to Ford, uh, which will likely probably lead to additional opportunities. Uh, you look at Ty Majeski, who's one of the best drivers out there, a uh, great driver in the super late models and the late models, uh, took a job as a mechanic at Door Sport and now is made that into a full-time opportunity can he come around um uh, there's a lot of high hopes for him when he went to uh the nice motorsports team to take over for ross Jastain, and that went sideways to the point where he lost his ride um but can he go and recover can he go and win here uh, and really show his true potential a la um, like Josh Berry, who comes from a similar background. There are intriguing stories here. What will Ben Rhodes do? Christian Eckes, who was a Toyota um, driver, it kind of got left out, didn't have a full-time ride, and now he comes back into a full-time ride, taking over the, the team that um, Enfinger was driving for for a couple, two, three years 
and then they were doing a split ride last year. Uh, Josh, um, I'll go to you first in regards to the truck series. Um, what are you thinking? I mean, is it going to be similar to what most of the year was last year, runaway for John Hunter, or can somebody else amongst this crew um, make something happen here uh, in 2022? Well, I, I think for this series, I mean, it would be easy to say John Hunter Nemechek goes on another tear, goes out and actually wins the championship unlike last year when it came down to Phoenix and uh, came up short and Ben Rhodes won that. Um, but I, I do expect John Hunter Nemechek to uh, – you know, be up there, be up front in a lot of these races, but I would like to see what, uh, you know, somebody like Ben Rhodes, uh, you know, somebody that won the championship last year, can he actually, you know, go on a title defense and, you know, prove that um, he can be a, a truck champion and not just, you know, win the final race, but uh, be competitive uh, throughout the year. Um, because there's been times where, you know, he was up there, uh, you know, he won the first two races of the year last year and then kind of went off the map slightly. And then uh, we didn't really hear from him until basically the final round of the the truck playoffs and then wins Phoenix and he's the champion. We get basically Brad Keselowski, um, shades of Brad Keselowski's celebration from 2012. And, you know, he gets out and goes drunk off just of uh, Bud Light there, which, you know, uh, tells you how much alcohol tolerance he has. Miller Light. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I let's, can't really. Let's correct that, please. Well, that was Miller Light for Brad, but I think Bud Light was for um for Ben Rhodes there. It, it oh was yeah, a Bud yeah, for Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ben Rhodes. I mean, Ben Rhodes is probably drinking like uh, Shirley Temple, and he probably can't handle that either. Um, <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy that is pretty light in the loafers in regards to drinking. As somebody who's a professional drinker himself, and uh, and does use brad's former sponsor as his part of his lubrication to do the show um baba buoy style um fact of the matter is yeah ben rhodes does not know how to handle his liquor um i hope he improves whether he has to go and drink red wine maybe if he can go and repeat and he'll go and have some box i mean it would be just get be, some box wine <laughs> yeah exactly get a box of wine pour it on his head it would be quality it would fit all the stereotypes of nascar if um a box of wine was poured on his head um but i don't know but you can keep going yeah, speaking of wine, I had a friend over for the Super Bowl and brought over some uh, homemade wine. It was like a apple flavored. Uh, it was uh, pretty interesting and went down pretty easily. So uh, liked uh, that. That was a very enjoyable drink. But no, uh, for continuing on this, uh, you know, talk with the the truck series. I mean, the rest of it, it's really hard to tell. You look at uh, some of the drivers in the field that could be competitive. I mean, Christian Eckes. I'd like to see what he can do in this number ninety eight car. You know, Matt Crafton, always a, a veteran who's uh, going to be there no matter what. Um, this is basically his series uh, where he can go and thrive in and, you know, as kind of that veteran driver. Um, you know, only question is, is um, can he make the final four, which certainly um, he, he knows how to uh, be in that situation and, um, you know, be in that uh, top four. But I, I mean, there, a lot of these guys, um, you know, it's basically field fillers, uh, young drivers trying to get a, a sponsorship, part-time sponsorship, and try to get their name in the series. Um, I mean, there are some guys like Carson Osevar, um, kind of like, I guess, one of the rising stars in this series, um, had a couple of good runs, made the playoffs last year, 
so it would be interesting to see if he can, um, you know, parlay that into uh, more consistency. Uh, Zane Smith, you know, going over to Ford, uh, you know, after a couple years at GMS, now he's uh, basically, yeah, with the uh, DGR Crosley, you know, Bob Jenkins as the owner. Um, so looking at that, I mean, it could be an interesting combination there. Um, Graining in finger, of course, uh, continuing to uh, carry the flag for uh, GMS now. He's got uh, Jack Wood in the 24. That could be an interesting one there, too. Derek Krause, um, he's had flashes here and there, but he hasn't been able to fully put it together. Uh, Chandler Smith, um, you know, he's the other teammate to uh, uh, John Hunter Nemechek and um, would like to see if he can maybe have some more of that success from John Hunter um, rub off onto his team. I mean, he had uh, some success last year in 2021, but, of course, uh, not quite as good as uh, John Hunter uh, in the four car. So maybe KBM can work on getting those teams to be kind of on the same level and uh, you know higher up into the, the point standings at the end of the year. Uh, there, of course, uh, Haley Diggin, uh driving for DGR Crossley, and um, you know she's obviously you know probably one of the more popular drivers, I guess, just on you know the outreach and you know the content that she puts out. Um, you know, agree with whatever you know her lifestyle is or whatever, but um, you know she's um, somebody that you know Ford's putting a lot of uh, money into. They want her to be successful, um, and I mean, of course, um, probably will be eligible for that Bush uh, um, sponsorship that they're doing with uh, you know female racers. I mean, she's not 21 yet, so obviously they can't uh, sponsor her yet. And you know, she's got Monster behind her, but you know, as she moves up, may have to get some of that Bush sponsorship, and could be a possibly maybe a, a wild card play for the four car later on uh, once Harvick retires, that could be a play there, but, uh, you know, with Ford and everything, but, um, you know, second season in the car, uh, was, was she going to be able to do, um, you know, she more competitive than last year, you know, obviously there had some runs here and there where maybe she looked like she could be something, but for the most part, it was kind of mid pack. Uh, can she raise her level of performance uh, this season? Um, so, you know, this, this, this series is, you know, really hard to, um, you know, gauge outside of a few teams, outside of a few trucks, like I said, because most part are just, um, you know, field fillers, guys that, you know, aren't really, you know, going to be able to do anything outside of uh you know finishing the race but you know it's really interesting you know see if um somebody can challenge uh john Hurd and check here in 2022 that's something we will see i mean uh there's no norm uncle norm isn't in this race because uh, he can't run minimum speed god love him uh he's a pennsylvania guy but i mean jennifer joe can't really either but it is what it is she has big tits um in regards to what are you thinking, Joe, in regards to the truck series? I mean, is it John Hunter or Bust this year? I mean, can Doorsport after with a in their return to Toyota after many years of Toyota went to Ford, um, came back? Uh, can Matt Crafton come out there and possibly go and get that elusive fourth championship to tie uh, his mentor, Ron Hornaday Jr.? the legend, the Hall of Famer, uh, or can somebody else come out of the woodwork like a Ty Majeski or Christian Eckes or, who knows, maybe, you know, um, Chandler Smith or, you know, uh, Zane Smith joining the Ford camp to go and uh, make this thing interesting here in 2022. 
you know, I, uh, as much as I would like things to, for some of those drivers to make things interesting to me, this series, you know, I, I talked about having questions in cup questions in Xfinity for me, once you take away these field fillers, uh, that, that Josh made reference to for me, this is probably the most predictable, uh, in some sense of the three series. Uh, I very much expect that John Hunter is going to continue his dominance, continue to run up front, continue to win plenty and plenty and plenty of races. Um, you know, as far as closing out the championship, can he do it? Absolutely, he can do it. Uh, last year, just truck wasn't quite where it needed to be, it seemed like. Uh, and also, if I remember correctly, had some type of issue throughout the race uh, that really affected him. But um, it, 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 I feel like John Hunter, uh, if he's around the sport for a long enough in, in equipment, no matter what series he's in, that is, would be the equivalent to a KBM equipment in trucks. Uh, he'll do very well for himself and for him. It may not be a matter of if, but when. Um, definitely expect to see him up front. Definitely win. Championship is the question mark. Um, you know, for me, I, I no real change from the four. As far as his teammate, we were talking about uh, Chandler Smith. Uh, Smith, I feel like actually they started to get into a groove last season, that 18 team. Um, he's got a very experienced crew chief atop the box, Danny Stockman. Um, you know, there's no question in my mind that Stockman can lead that 18 team and, and potentially will lead it back into the playoffs. Um, you know, they won two of the last five races last year. If I'm doing my math right, they won the elimination race at Bristol as well as the finale at Phoenix. They just weren't uh, in championship contention when it came time for Phoenix. So I, I expect that 18 car or truck rather to become more competitive uh, to that four and, and that probably will be the powerhouse team outside of Thor Sport. Uh, Thor Sport, I mean, you have all reliable Matt Crafton, who is, he's got to be probably the most consistent driver uh, ever, ever. I mean, he just, he's always got the points. He's always in contention. Sure, you know, he doesn't reach his victory lane as much, but man, he's just, He's always there. He always manages to do it. Even his bad seasons, he's consistent and he consistently runs top 10. I mean, if you call a consistently top 10 car, you know, a bad season, it's, it's a great driver, really. Um, and, and, you know, he this, you know, with Crafton, it's very unique. He is the uh, the sole driver, I believe, in any of the three series to ever not win a race in the playoff, in the current playoff elimination style format to actually go on and win the series championship. So of course he can do it and he doesn't need to win to do it. Um, you know, Christian Eckes truthfully is a driver. I would have hoped to see more out of to this point. Yes. He got that win last season. Uh, but even still, I have some hesitation about him. Ben Rhodes are defending champion. I mean, he's great, but he's got to be more consistent. He needs to follow uh, the Matt Kraft and regimen a little bit more winning Three races on a season in any season, including uh, Daytona, is great. And then on top of that, winning a championship, even better. But he, like uh, like Hemrick last year, I, I sort of evaluate as an underwhelming champion as far as the performance year round. And he's going to need to improve on that. Um, the other two of the, is it two or is it three? Yeah, it's two of the Thor Sport cars, the 66 of Majeski. Um, he's somebody that, uh, I think it was you, Phil, who said just talent's undeniable. Um, 
I just don't know if he's really spent enough uh, consistent time to develop a, a, a real regiment within any of the NASCAR series. He's jumped kind of between Xfinity uh, and trucks and some other racing. Um, so hoping to see some consistency out of him. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know. There's, there's almost something to me that feels a little underwhelming about this lineup this year in the truck series. Like I almost expect that it's going to be a Toyota. It's going to be either Thor sport or Kyle Busch motorsports. Um, and, and, and that's kind of it. I think, you know, and finger is interesting in, in his story. You know, he was full time, went part time, hopped between some teams. Now he's uh, with GMS. We know GMS is capable, but really outside of Sheldon Creed last year, you know, Zane Smith was not consistent, kind of just willed his way into the final four, you know, by by a win. And, and truthfully, that team's performance last year, uh, again, excluding Sheldon Creed, uh, was really, really pretty disappointing and pretty poor given how well 2020 went for that organization. So Enfinger, we know he's experienced. We know he can win races. Um, you know, I think really for him, it's going to be, can the team, can GMS get over the, you know, the struggles they had for the most part last year and, and really get back to where they were in 2020, where you had Creed go five wins. Zane Smith, I think, collected two or three that year as well. Um, to Benedetto, he's one actually. Uh, I, I have a friend I was uh, seeing today, and we were talking about De Benedetto. You know, um, a lot of times we talk about how the car is maybe better than the driver in that you have top tier equipment, and the driver maybe isn't there just yet. Uh, I think it's probably a little bit more flipped, a little bit more skewed the other way from Matt Benedetto. He's got a lot of top tier experience. He's driven around some of the best drivers that there are. Uh, you know, there are races. He's shown flashes of greatness in the Cup Series. And now to move down to trucks, you know, are we are we going to see the same type of thing that John Hunter needs? Now, of course, John Hunter's in top tier equipment in this series. Mr. Benedetto is not. But um, for me, this is a key year for Matt Benedetto, not just for trucks, not for the potential of moving into Xfinity, not for the potential of move back to Cup. This is a key year for him, career. If he does not, I'm, I'm going to say because Rackley War is a younger team and not as well funded as some others, if he does not find some consistency, at least back half of top 10, he's done. He's been around. He's been with good teams. He's been with bad teams. He's gone from the lowest lows to the highest highs, and he's been every which way in between. It's been a fun story. It's been a fun ride. He's been fun to cover, but this, in reality, this is it for him. If he cannot succeed in trucks, you know, I, I really don't know that what else is there left for him. Um, and, you know, I think the last driver really that I'm going to talk about, Haley Deegan. Um, she's somebody who I know last year was her rookie year, showed some flashes of greatness as well. Um, I would just hope that she can improve. I don't necessarily know that the DGR stable with those Fords are really at the level where they can consistently compete, uh, especially for wins with uh, the, you know, the, the, the Toyota Tundras that have really dominated the series over the past full of years. Again, KBM, Thor Sport, I don't know that they're there, um, but she's shown the potential. And to me, so long as she can continue to improve, get a little bit more in the top five, maybe um, for me, then that that tells me that she is there. 
Um, but but for her, this is an important year too, because if she does not improve, um, you know, she may fall over to the wayside. So, uh, you know, Ford puts a lot of hype around her. The fans love her. They put a lot of hype around her. So she needs to live up to that. If she can't, uh, she may be done. Maybe not after this year, but uh, certainly if she can't over the next two seasons put anything together, I think that'll be it. Yeah, I mean, with with Haley Deegan, I think between her dad and Monster Energy and Ford, I think her staying power is going to be a lot longer than maybe her talent and ability shows akin to Miss Hummer and some of the other ladies that have uh, been around. And I think that kind of leads into that last part of what we're going to talk about here tonight in regards to the ARCA um situation where there's uh, multiple ladies that'll be running full-time in the um main arca series you have arca east arca west all that but um the to me i'm i'm gonna i mean john hunter to me i mean it's easy to go and pick him uh the epic collapse at phoenix notwithstanding him and eric phillips were were like a machine and eric phillips has won championships with multiple guys uh stuff happened uh you know and uh with uh what is it uh my friend william byron um where he was the best driver that year and uh things went sideways for him at homestead but or not at Homestead, but went sideways during the playoff, and he wasn't able to race for it at Homestead 1, um, and then went to Junior Motorsports 1 in the Xfinity Championship. But I, I think John Hunter needs that title. You know, at some point, you know, I think 23-11, they're going to expand to a four-car team. They need to have younger guys. Kurt isn't going to be around very long uh, in regards to driving. I think Kurt wants to be involved in the sport, and that might lead to something since he's a Jordan brand guy. Um, he might be their team manager, like president or something like that. I think that's where things are leading. He's going to um, go be a, an announcer for the truck series full time. Well, as long as he replaces Michael Waltrip, it'd be good for the world. Um, I, I mean, if he could just replace both Michael Waltrip and Vince Welsh, um, I would sign for that right now, even though Fox Sports can't um, seemingly get their um, uh, sound working, at least on my feed. It was screwed up the whole entire time, but then it's Fox. And um, one of their overlords is going to be, I think, the the Grand Marshal or go and wave the green flag at the Daytona 500. So it tells you all you need to know. They can't get their sound right um, after they have months to go and fix it and do whatever. But then they'll go and have one of their overlords show up. One of the people has destroyed our society. Um, go and rave the green flag since he's done so much for the world. Being a daddy's money piece of shit like Noah Gregson and any number of other people or like Riley Herbst. But that's beside the point. Uh, I think in ARCA... I mean, you know, Ty Gibbs won last year and Corey Heim uh, finished second with the Venturini team. Uh, this year, I think the story in regards to the ARCA series is the women uh, and uh, the fact that they're they're going to have multiple women uh, running for the uh, championship this year. 
I mean, I'm just going through the field here. We have uh, Tony Brettinger, uh, very big on social media. Um, and also Amber Balcine, who was part of, um, there was a show, I think there was a, there's a pretty cool, uh, uh, reality show that they had on some channel a few years ago. And she was a part of it, uh, with the wives of, uh, drivers. I think it was, the uh, Austin Dillon's wife and, um, a couple other wives and girlfriends. So now you have two women there. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was running full time. I think Daniel Dye is going to be running full time for um, GMS. You have uh, Mason Diaz uh, going running full time. You have Nick Sanchez uh, running Raja Karuth with Brad Parrott. Look at that. Um, so there, there are some good uh, drivers here in this race. Gustine has uh, won the one at in the truck series. He'll be an Aventurini Motorsports vehicle. Um, there's some interesting people here in the Arca series. You have the Arca East and the Arca West. The Sammy Smith won the uh, first race of the season uh, yesterday at uh, New Smyrna. I'm trying to go and get into that. Sammy Smith driving the number 18. Beat uh, Taylor Gray, Max Gutierrez, Leyland Honeyman, and Donald Teach, the uh, Canadian Tire, uh, whatever, Pinty Series driver, the top 10 or top 5. Mason Diaz, Logan Mascura, Willie Mullins, Stephanie Moyer, and Ed Pompa were your top 10. Um, there were only five cars on the lead lap. Uh, 16 vehicles showed up. 15 actually started. So there is the ARCA East series. Sammy Smith was the winner there. Um, the ARCA West starts at Phoenix in a month, uh, and then they'll go to Irwindale, and from there they'll have their season. We'll have some time and gaps going on with that. I mean, I, I mentioned the women, and Joe, I'll go with you. Uh, you know, Tony Brettinger, uh, Amber Balcine, there's other women in the East series. Uh, we talked about Haley Deegan here. Uh, Natalie Decker will be attempting, and I think she'll probably make the show in the Xfinity series. But I guess there's a, and, and of course, the diversity aspect with Rev Racing. Uh, we look at it with Bubba, and there's a lot of PR, and he has a special going on on Netflix. But in regards to the ARCA series and the level of the field right now, there are some drivers that definitely are people that are going to get you know, upgraded and be in big rides. But uh, is there pressure? Or do you think there's, they're going to have a lot of focus? Are it, is there a possibility that one of these ladies can start closing um, you know, akin to the way that women do in the NHRA and go and really make a name for themselves, not just because of their looks, not just because of whatever their presence on social media and actually go and win races and put themselves in a position to actually be a factor to race week to week as they go up the ladder. 
I don't know what your thoughts are on that or any of the other drivers. I mean, personally, I mean, I'm excited for Rajar Kruth to get a full yeah. season opportunity in the big time. Yeah. So truthfully, my, uh, my knowledge of Arca is, uh, very small fragments and they don't quite fit together it's like one of those awful puzzles that you can never find the those missing pieces but um you know i i think uh just because i don't know too many of these drivers super well uh, i'm i'm not going to mention anything about who may or may not have some good potential on winning uh obviously i think everybody knows Corey heim um so long as they've paid any attention to the truck series uh did wonderful last year uh i don't believe he's running full-time this year so not quite championship contender no but, he's um, running part-time there and he's running uh he's running a lot of yeah run part-time Bush. both series with kbm yeah so um you know as far as the pressure element that you mentioned though uh yeah there's a lot of it now um you know I, i'll be honest prior to uh because again most of my focus uh is on cup and I have limited focuses in uh, in Xfinity trucks, so I spend not a whole lot of time looking at ARCA. And uh, I, I would say that anybody who's now got sponsorship from Bud, uh, Bush Light, which associates with one of the greatest drivers right now in Cup, and uh, you know, is it, just a huge company in general. Yeah, there's pressure, and you know what? There's more pressure now on them because they're in the spotlight. People have their eyes on them now, um, you know, so there, there's always that element of pressure. Whether or not they're going to live up to it, I don't know. I don't uh, know these women well enough to really speak to that. But um, I, I really, I, I'm truthfully, I'm very hopeful that at least one or two or maybe even more of them uh, will rise to the occasion. Uh, you know, I feel a little bit bad. I think fans are uh, a bit quick to ridicule women in racing um, just because of the reputation, you know, we had Danica Patrick who, I mean, she, she did okay. She did well in IndyCar and made the transition into NASCAR and she never won. Couldn't win with top tier equipment in, uh, in junior motorsports and Xfinity. Couldn't win in top tier equipment in Stuart Haas racing in cup. Um, you know, it, it's just, it, it's a bad taste. And, and, you know, I don't want that to happen to, to Haley Deegan. I don't want that to happen to, to really any driver. You never hope for it to happen to a driver. Um, and it, it's just unfortunate because of, you know, the whole social dynamic of the greater society and, and the perception of women in racing. So I really do hope that, uh, like I said, at least one, hopefully more than one, can really break that notion. Um, and, and maybe that's not one of the Bush drivers this year. Maybe that's Haley Deegan and trucks, um, you know, but I, it, it's definitely something that seeing Bush likes commitment and involvement, I'll tell you, has made me more intrigued. And I know that announcement only came, uh, what, yesterday, two days ago, but I think it's good that a sponsor is willing to put that money and that commitment out there. Uh, because I think, you know, for such a big company who's so involved in racing, uh, you know, that draws more eyes to a series where maybe there weren't so many eyes before. So it, it's good not just for those women to have that major backing, but for that series in general. I mean, you know, ARCA is not televised uh, like NASCAR um, is, even though it is NASCAR, it's owned by NASCAR. Um, it's not televised really super consistently, only a handful of races every year. 
and and the rest of it, if I'm not mistaken, is pretty much behind a paywall. Um, so it'll be interesting for sure. Um, you know, this is a series that I intend on paying more attention to, just in general, um, and, and especially to those drivers who are now backed by uh, Bush. So. Um, should be a fun show. I hope it's a fun show. Racing should always in any capacity be fun, but I'm definitely looking forward to what could come out of this. Yeah. And I think that's something we have to look at there. They had the announcement in regards to supporting, and I appreciate that Joe in regards to mentioning that. And I'm going to leave that to you, Josh. Um, we talk about Miss Hummer on here and her exploits and it's ironic that her former boyfriend um has just got um the engage another engagement broke off with the immunized uh more than likely former quarterback of the green bay packers is like a three or four time mvp i've lost count um but that's beside the point i mean people think she can announce but she can't talk because she's a hummer um will will we be in a spot where they're going to promote the tony brettingers of the sport and you know amber balsines because they're pretty um or are we going to be promoting them because they can win um it's been a problem even shauna robinson had to deal with it she got in a cranifus car and was close to wins but and finished really well in the arca series uh, there are other women that have been up there over time uh but i think the question is are are we getting to a point where we need a woman to actually win uh, and and show that they can do it here? Because the NHRA, I mean, there are plenty of things that tell you that are backwards. But one aspect of where they're not backwards is with women, with people of color, with, you know, with Hispanic. I mean, just with, with African-Americans, with Hispanics, with, uh, you know, no, women, uh, with I mean, whatever, you know, you're, you, you've seen them win. Uh, Shirley Muldowney is the greatest example of that in the NHRA and everybody that's come at, since then. Um, you know, fact that Antron Brown, who's one of my favorite uh, drivers and he's from New Jersey and now he's a car owner. Um, you have, you have other women, you have people call her, you have like the Aranas, you have other, the Pentagon family, et cetera, et cetera. There's diversity there, but in other forms of motorsports, they're well behind. Honestly, um, are we at a point for NASCAR and with their ARCA element that they need to, are they going to force something here? Or do we have somebody or something that could actually build and maybe have a woman come through like a Kaylee Bryson or somebody else that's uh, in USAC or maybe in some other former racing to go and take that step and be somebody who can go and eventually come up to the Cup Series or some other series and be out there every week and be a contender to actually win races? I mean, it's tough to say, really. Um, I mean, I'm kind of in the same position in ARCA as Joe is and not really as familiar with uh, that series as I am uh, with, you know, the other series in uh, stock car racing. And I mean, I really only watch Daytona, I guess, if I'm watching ARCA racing. But I mean, it it could be to a point where they have to force something. And uh, But 
I mean, I look at the drivers and the series who are women. I mean, um, I mean, it's not the main ARCA series, but uh, Gracie Trotter, of course, has won uh, in uh, ARCA before. Um, and she she has uh, proven she can win, and she might be a, a driver who can you know, move on up to the main ARCA series and you know, potentially up into possibly trucks and uh, run well in those series. Um, Tony Breidinger has been a name that's been around for a few years now, and um, you know she she's had I mean had various levels of performance in uh, I guess her time in the ARCA series, and she's gotten a couple of top tens uh, and couple of top 15 runs and then um you know there's been other races where uh, she was uh not on the lead lap um or you know had problems or whatever and i mean she obviously biggest name uh i guess social media wise or however you want to measure that um in the arca series as a woman right now um i mean like would like to see more from her i guess uh same goes for uh amber balcassian i guess and what she's able to do but i mean it's it's a it's not i wouldn't say it's a tough scene you just have to be able to um find the the right woman that can uh win races and um things i mean they're able to you know see their you know level of performance this year we'll see what happens um i mean not trying to be down or anything but you know we just we need to be able to see them you know not only just win but just be able to uh, run well on a consistent basis and, um, you know, put together top tens, top fives. And of course, you know, this series, um, uh, is not a, a series really where there's a lot of comp, you know, competitive teams. It's not like, oh, you can put anybody in this car and they can, uh, consistently run top five, unless, you know, you're a Joe, Joe Gibbs racing affiliated, uh, team in this series. Um, so it's going to also have to be measured by, you know, how well they can run relative to the performance of the car. And, you know, if they have teammates, how well do they run, uh, you know, relative to the performance of their teammates. So, um, that's, those are all things that, uh, we're gonna have to look, uh, out for in this. And I'll pivot to one thing here. And, you know, we talked about Raja Carruth, you know, being another name in this series. And, um, I mean, tie it into the sim racing, uh, deal, you know, that I talk about as well. I mean, he's, you know, someone who's able to leverage his, um, you know, iRacing experience, um, from just like hopping on iRacing and I guess being good at it and really good at it, uh, at what he's able to do and leverage that into an opportunity to, you know, uh, drive in the driver diversity program worked his way up through late models um and all those series and now he's going to be racing in arca has an opportunity to uh race in xfinity with alpha prime he's also got marketing behind him you know he was on im athlete with uh you know on their nascar series with brandon marshall um of course and uh i you know i think um he could be something in this series. We um, would like to, you know, see what he's able to do this year in ARCA uh, and his, also his limited time in Xfinity as well um, and what he's able to do. Just, I mean, I I look at him just, you know, from the sim racing perspective and, you know, in just a short amount of time, you know, he's able to leverage the experience on iRacing, just, you know, going from that and then, you know, actually going out onto the racetrack. I mean, William Byron's experience is kind of similar, but, I mean, he also, you know, he had um i guess a clearer path to that and i think he his uh history on iRacing goes back further um than uh raja karuth because i think he was only you know he william byron was there i think for a while on iRacing and on that platform and i think raja karuth is only on there two years before he started 
uh, actually racing in real life. Um, and of course that only came about cause he just went to a race at Richmond, Virginia at, you know, Richmond raceway. So, um, I mean the level, just the level of time from, you know, not being a fan or, you know, to being just merely a fan to, you know, trying out the sim racing stuff and then going, uh, and out actually doing the real things, uh, pretty impressive to me. And, and hopefully, you know, he actually has success on the racetrack and, um, you know, can move his way up quickly. I mean, I've raced against him, I think once or twice on iRacing in, uh, the e-racer GG series, which is, uh, that's Landon Castle and Parker Clearman's league that they, uh, do events in. I tried to run in a couple of their events and, um, and everything i've seen some uh sim racing videos where karuth was a, a participant in uh those races and i mean he's seemed pretty aggressive but you know he knows what he's uh doing behind the wheels so um you know interested just as much as the women aspect uh interested in his uh performance as well so, so just to chime in on uh on something that you uh josh and and phil had uh mentioned about potentially nascar um or organization arca somebody uh beginning to perhaps try and force somebody uh through the ranks um i i'll be honest i really hope that doesn't happen i would rather some see somebody i would rather take another five six seven years for somebody to develop the actual competitive talent that it would need to take to compete at the higher levels uh, and advance through the ranks rather than them trying to force it. I, I kind of feel like the whole Danica Patrick thing was forced. Once they knew she there was the interest and she came over, I, I feel like it was kind of forced. Like you're going to the biggest team in Ex or one of the biggest teams at the time, and still to this day in Xfinity and then into an open slot alongside Tony Stewart and uh, and Ryan Newman at the time and eventually teammates with with a champion. Um, feel like Two it champ was a little, three champions. Yeah, three champions. How about that? Um, so, you know, I I just I have a real hesitance. I, I don't think it would be healthy if NASCAR forced anybody through, because believe me, the if NASCAR forces someone through. The fans know it and they feel it. And it's very evident. I spent a lot of time monitoring social media. Um, Facebook uh, especially is where I notice it the most, where NASCAR fans have very strong feelings about their sport. And, and granted, I think any fan of any sport probably has some pretty significant feelings about some of the things going on within the sport. But uh, and, and not just to, to women uh, on that aspect, but to, to diversity in general. NASCAR fans have a very strong feeling, it seems, one way or the other about this issue of diversity, diversity in, in women, in having drivers of, of other races, of other ethnicities. And it, it's something that the sport does have to overcome. And it's going to have to overcome this notion. If it takes time, then it needs time. But forcing people through if they are unsuccessful once they are pushed to the next level will only worsen the issue and the divide between fans. It will reflect poorly on the sport. And it's something that I don't think at this point in time that NASCAR can really afford to have. They need to have somebody, whether it is a woman, whether it's somebody who is African-American, if it's somebody uh, Middle Eastern, if it, it, anybody, right? 
it needs to happen naturally. The progression of events in their career needs to come about on, on talent. That's how it needs to happen because forcing it is only going to create a larger issue. Yeah, I mean, the that whole aspect of um, organically developing someone versus the whole WWE, um, you know, may, like going and forming it in a story on a as a storyline and kind of you know force feeding it to the public which which may fit for segments of the fandom that exists for nascar racing right now but you know when you talk about us three we're way too smart for that um it's something where if a woman can actually compete it would be good um certain women weren't allowed that opportunity back in the day you have women now that have presence on social media but now like a Tody Bredinger, she has to show up she's in the flagship car at at uh, venturini motorsports she needs to be running top five and no worse than top 10 every week in that car amber bell seen the team that she's with mark rett motorsports have competed at times and been up front and have won but you know they're not out there all the time they're going to be out there all the time it seems like this year so pressure may be on in regards to that they may not win at day at daytona but it's something to see whether they'll be able to compete for a full season. Um, Raja Karuth, uh, I have a lot of high hopes for him. He's a really good driver. And Josh mentioned his exploits in regards to driving against him on the sim. Uh, the back Seagull team try to win a race basically on their way out um, or win a series on the way out after winning, you know, K&N. What was the old K&N series and advancing Kyle Larson to where he is the cup series champion they were one part of that but we will see what happens um with that we will start the close for the this episode of the gsp um joe um where can we find you where can we what are you gonna what are you working on uh what are you looking to do here um and hopefully we can have you back because your insights are very um forthcoming and well detailed and uh what the fans really need to know in regards to this sport thank you i I appreciate the kind words and and thanks for having me on again um it was actually very funny the night uh, before you had reached out to me to to ask if i wanted to be on the show josh had liked one of my tweets uh about the clash i believe and uh and i was like damn you know i it's been a while. I should hop back on. Start start the season off on a good foot, right on the right foot. So uh, I, I was intending on reaching out, actually, and you beat me to it. So thanks for that. Um, but uh, you can find me over at uh, Fansided's website, Beyond the Flag. Uh, I'll be writing some over there, uh, mostly cup, as I've stated before. But uh, hoping that throughout the year I can dabble a little bit more with Xfinity and trucks than I did last year. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. I do live stage point updates for the entire season. Uh, unfortunately, I am going to miss one of the duels. And yes, they do issue points during the duels now. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll catch up with those after. But um, it'll be fun. So at Pissero Jr. P-A-S-S-E-R-O-J-R on Twitter. Um, you can find me there. And uh, just all the support in the world means a lot. And uh, hopefully it's shared support between uh, my readers and, and your listeners. Um, 
you know, it's fun for me to, to get to come out and talk about the sport, you know, um, truthfully, part of my love of, you know, hopping onto the show, I don't have a lot of friends in racing. I don't, uh, I don't get to talk about it that often. You know, my dad's sort of my best friend and, uh, we get to talk about it some, but I don't, I don't get the opportunity to, uh, to share what I know and what I love with a lot of people. So it, uh, it, it really, really, to me is amazing just to know that there are other people out there who, who do support me that I can also support on their, uh, adventure through, you know, what is this, uh, this, this craziness that is racing, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm happy to come back on whenever I have Wednesdays off of my day job now. So it's great. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I definitely hope that I'll be back on and, uh, I'll keep listening for sure. Well, since you said that, I guess, um, we can book you somewhat regularly. Uh, if there is an IndyCar or Formula One, if it's a NASCAR, uh, specific weekend, then I guess you should start, um, keeping your Wednesday evenings open, uh, because we'll have you on for sure. Uh, you do great work. Your writing is top notch and you, the knowledge and the passion is there. Um, it reminds me of me in a lot of ways, uh, going back to my days when I was more full-time writer, um, then I realized I'd rather just talk and, <laughs> it's easier for me to talk than it is for me to put it down on, a word document or whatever google whatever document so i appreciate you joe thank you so much um and you know obviously follow at pacero jr follow him on twitter and follow his work on fansided because um dude knows his stuff and uh there's a whole lot more to come from this man he's our nascar insider he is our bob pockris um, and, uh, hopefully you take that as a compliment because Bob Pockris is never going to be on our show. So, um, I very much take that as a compliment. Thank you. And, uh, I know that, um, I'm pretty sure if you were given the credential and the hard card, you'd probably live in the media center the way that Bob Pockris did, uh, does. Um, I'm, I have, uh, firsthand experience about seeing that. Uh, at Pocono uh, multiple times. So I know Bob Pockris is great. And uh, I feel like you're there. You're, you're the next gen. You're, you're, you're the gen seven guy in regards to that. Um, I don't know. Hopefully it's not Fox sports. Maybe it's, uh, you know, helping Dustin long at NBC or somebody else uh, to go and get to that spot. Uh, Josh, uh, we didn't get to mention the iRacing Daytona 500. I think we're going to have to do a 100 and a half slash 101 episode to go and kind of do go over the other stuff that we didn't mention here on this episode since it was very uh, NASCAR centric. But considering what we called this episode, it went that way. So um, where can we follow you on social media? uh to see your streams for uh uh i racing where can we follow you to go and get your takes on uh, motorsports in general and um i guess the last question is are you going down to the track here the next few days uh since you're out there uh to see some of the racing 
Yeah, I mean, well, I'll start off with uh, the last part there. I mean, I mean, I'd like to, but I uh, don't know if I'll be able to. I mean, Sunday's already pretty booked, I think, uh, um, my own schedule. But I mean, the the race itself uh, already sold out, uh, which I, I find surprising. And I'm slightly skeptical of of that. Um, sure, there might might be true end up being true, but I feel like there's probably going to be a handful of empty seats. Um, and everything but uh i mean i ideally would like to go but you know probably take a little bit more planning and you know, would like to probably take some family and friends next time as last time i went on my own well that's fun and everything you know i know there's other you know people in my life that want to be able to attend as well uh and go to that race and you know other events like that but um for you know for me um i i mean I'll, i will touch on the iRacing daytona 500 real quick i mean i'm probably gonna end up running on saturday and or sunday one's the fixed uh setup event and one's the open setup and been trying to uh run uh you know some practice races on on the sim this week trying to get a feel for the car get a feel for the draft and everything and probably gonna end up having to just uh stay in the back for the first um you know, 50 laps uh, or halfway point of the race just to make sure I have a car that's in peace because uh, last year I uh, got taken out pretty early and um, ended up spending most of the race at least one lap down and uh, somewhat off the pace there, although I still managed to finish 11th, uh, which tells you how high racing is sometimes. But yeah, you can follow the iRacing streams at Twitch TV slash UCLR2. I'll type it out in our chat here so Joe can go uh, uh, pick that up and maybe uh, if you have time, you can watch it uh, or whenever. Um, and then, of course, the the takes on Twitter uh, at JP Huffine. Of course, uh, you know, all the takes that I'll have this weekend, Daytona 500, the takes on, you know, the football, NFL stuff, you know, and other things, topics of interest uh, that I might be interested in. Um, you, know, you know, go look on there, follow, see what I'm, I'm you know, interested in and, uh, you know, get an insight you know, to who I am and everything. So, you know, follow me there. Um, but you know, it's episode 100, you know, thanks Phil you know, for getting me into this, you know, back all the way back in, you know, April, 2020 and everything. I mean, kind of like Joe, you know, don't really have a whole lot of, you know, real life outlets, I guess, uh, you know, to go out and talk about this in this depth. I mean, I have some friends I can talk about F1. Now I have a couple of friends at work that, uh, we talk about F1, but I mean, we don't really get into even, you know, real, too much depth about it, just kind of the surface level stuff of, you know, Lewis versus Max, that kind of thing. But, you know, um, to talk about it in this type of, you know, uh, depth and, you know, really get into it and get into the nitty gritty stuff, you know, that's what I like to talk about all the details and everything. And that's, you know, enjoyed being out, being able to have that outlet. So, you know, thanks of course for, um, you know, getting me involved in this. So appreciate that. Well, it, it started years ago uh, on Mike Sanders' uh, Facebook page for NASCAR and uh, didn't know that you were a fan of multiple series, so that's a NASCAR-centric page. And my fandom of NASCAR, I mean, I love racing, and um, I, I'll love racing for the rest of my life. It's been, what is it, 30 years now? This is my 30th year as a, as a fan in some way, shape, or form, and uh, I just turned 37. So the fact of the matter is I love racing. I love anything that goes fast. It could be a lawnmower. It could be uh, something, a boat. It could be, it doesn't matter. I, I love things that go fast. And um, the fact that we connected 
uh, on that page on Facebook, same way as Joe and I connected on social media with the writing and website that we were working together on. Um, it's what makes that's what makes this show uh, worthwhile. It's what makes our fandom worthwhile because it's about meeting the good people. It's about connecting and making this fandom the right, doing it the right way, not about promoting the negative, promoting the bad, promoting the good and promoting the fact that we all have this passion and this love for the sport. And it's the biggest race of the year for NASCAR. I mean, for all three series, it's exciting. I mean, whatever the series may be, we don't know what this series and what this cha- these championships will, will present. We have many months to go. It'll be November, and uh, we'll get there. I mean, the playoffs start in August. I mean, there's uh, many months before we figure out everything. But we're all together. We're, fan- we're fans. We're friends. It's, it's a positive thing. And, um, I mean, Josh, thank you for backing me up recovering me i've had many bad nights on this deal over 100 episodes and you've uh, covered my ass um i feel bad for you since your gm sucks ass for your football team but you actually have a coach um at least so he's a super bowl winning head coach um though the guy you won the super bowl with was was traded away from your team but that's beside the point but whatever he has a statue in philadelphia uh but it started on the fill in the blank podcast. This podcast came around because of it. It took me many years to get this thing off the ground. I should have done it a long time ago, but I think it worked out the way it did because we were supposed to be together and do this. So the fact is we're together. We got this thing going. It's hundred episodes. We got guys like Joe that come through and help us out. And Joe's an up and comer. He's our insider. Um, it's a good thing. Um, it's what makes the sport what it is and what makes our show, the Gripture Podcast, so meaningful because we're able to go and present to whoever wants to listen uh, and, and um, you know, give a little bit of a respite once in a while to think uh, of something that isn't life, you know, the way life presents. Uh, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find us at GripStripPod on on Twitter. We're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, we are out basically anywhere you can find a podcast. You can find a GripStrip podcast. You can find me at philipgmatthew.com. That's my blog site. Um, my Facebook presence, not so much. But, you know, we're here. We're posting this show. 100 episodes in probably going to do a a half episode like we did a few weeks ago to go and cover the rest of the stuff probably live stream the truck race um invites uh, open to you joe if you're available if work isn't in the way but um friday unfortunately and actually i'm gonna miss a lot of action from daytona i'm gonna miss the first duel i'm gonna miss the trucks and i'm gonna miss some of trucks, at least. I'm going to miss Xfinity, the whole thing. So uh, as, as much as I would love that invite, because that, that sounds a lot of fun, uh, at least for this week, it's, it's out of my cards. It's all good. Uh, we'll, we'll plan and work accordingly with you. 
because uh, I figure we're going to go and arrange some things. We know some people talk to people on the socials, but you're going to be our NASCAR guy for sure. Uh, try to get Phil Spain back on. Uh, Clayton Caldwell, who's in Daytona uh, this weekend or this week. Um, my former um, podcast uh, host and buddy on Talking in Circles. Uh, we'll hopefully be able to get him back. So we have plenty of NASCAR coverage for a, for a podcast that definitely isn't NASCAR centric. We have a lot of people that are NASCAR uh, aficionados. So uh, it's a good thing. We have all bases covered here on the Grifter podcast. So with that, enjoy the uh, speed weeks, what is left of speed weeks um you know enjoy the daytona 500 be safe take care of one another enjoy the race not the other bullshit that they're gonna go and post and show before the race um it's about the racing and uh hopefully it'll be a good race whatever happens um but either way racing season's back on um daytona the rolex 24 and the chili bowl kind of open things and people don't really get into it but now we're in it. Next week's episode is going to be Daytona 500, Redux, all the three um, major races or four major races that Daytona will kind of get into. And then we're going to talk about the IndyCar series in episode 101. So um, we thank you for listening to Grifter Podcast, uh, for Josh, for Joe. I'm Phil. Uh, take care. God bless and goodbye.